0: Hey everybody, this is Dean just breaking into the front of this episode. Just to let you know that um, at the very end of this episode, I say that we're recording The Mummy next week, which is not true. That is a mistake. Um, We're recording The Mummy the following week. So we're recording The Mummy on the 27th of June. I said we were doing it next, which would be the 20th. That's a mistake. We're actually recording Zero Effect, uh, another bounty. So that will be happening and not mummy. So ignore the very end of this episode when I say that. All right, that's all I have to say. I'm going to shut my mouth so you guys can enjoy Memento. Welcome back to the Science Fiction Film Podcast by LSG Media. I'm Dean. I'm Matthew. And on this week's episode, we are covering Memento from 2000, directed by Christopher Nolan. I think we need to be real about Memento for just a minute, don't you? <laughs> a little bit, maybe. All right. Here's well, here's okay. the reality of Memento. Okay. I think that the amount of depraved shit you would think to do <laughs> as a guy with this condition and tarot grade amnesia or whatever it's called, the mm-hmm. amount of depraved shit you would do in the bedroom, right? <laughs> you got Carrie Ann Moss- think? You'd be like, let me do this weird shit because I'm not going to remember. So I'm just going to go for it.
1: <laughs> I'm just going to get real freaky.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You're not going to remember. So who cares at that point? You could do anything.
1: It's true. You have no, <laughs> it's true. lots you, of, right? lots of leather straps,
0: whatever it is, just do it. Just and that's it. how awesome is that for you? Because you're like, oh, every night she's kind of new. Cause let's be real about long-term relationships for a minute. <laughs> Memento's the answer.
1: Uh, so that's right, everybody. Get a ball, peen, hammer, and try to aim for the hippocampus. Just one yeah. good tap.
0: Look, it's fine, it, even if it's just traumatic enough to be caused by some sort of mental trauma versus physical trauma. Mm-hmm. Think about it. I mean, you go home one day, and you're like, damn, let me just hot check.
1: <laughs> I don't know where I live, but boy, this lady in here. Yeah, i don't. I don't ready. I just, I'm game. You wake up in a room.
0: You got this beautiful brunette next to you, and you're like, Damn. She's. I think she's into me, and you're like, oh, I have this condition. I know that, so I don't know. And you tell
1: her just play along.
0: I mean, and it's great for her too because you can be whoever you it's are true. in that
1: moment, right? You always have that fresh young guy energy. You're just like, I, I'm new to this. You can be <clears> like, <throat> exciting.
0: You can be like, I'm gonna be Wolverine tonight, and you're gonna be
1: Jean Grey, <laughs> and i am go up here so I can definitely do that accent. Yeah, I'm from fucking.
0: No, isn't he Australian? Right? Isn't Logan supposed to be a from show? It doesn't matter. The point is there. (laughs) That's it. The point is there. Go for it. There's no there's nothing holding you back. There's no shame or guilt. What freedom? Uh, Why why waste all this time on revenge? First of all, (laughs) when you compare Natalie's appearance to his wife's, I mean that's a slam dunk that Natalie's hotter. (laughs) That's your first problem with this movie, right? Second problem with this movie, by the way is that there is no, no, nobody has an audio recorder. Nobody has a VHS. What year is this? Everything's know, on right? notes and Polaroids. Why are you making life miserable for yourself?
1: I kept thinking about that too. Like, cause I know this came out in 2000, I guess, you know, it's supposed to be contemporary to that time. And I was like, I know as a kid in like 1998, 99, I had one of those mini cassette recorders. Those like little mini tiny tapes that could record for like an hour and you like it fit in your pocket. I'm like, Dude, invest. <laughs> invest in one of those. Record some <laughs> conversations you have with people. No shit. Seems you're, like dude, it would be fucking helpful.
0: Put away your ding dong fucking felt pen that you get six words on the back of a Polaroid with and start recording some audio,
1: okay? <laughs> Before you get mush brains again. That's right. like, ah, what am I writing? What am I doing? I'm, I'm horny, I think.
0: That's why right. nobody knows who you are, Guy Pierce. Nobody.
1: Nobody. They should. Uh, he's great, isn't he? Ah, uh, he's so fucking good, dude. It, I'm him still and, kind and Joey of Pants. Come on, dude. Joey Pants is so good.
0: I love him. So, and,
1: and Carrie Ann Moss. They're yeah. all fucking killers. Yeah,
0: they're great. They're great. great fucking cast. I got to tell you, too, before we even get into this proper, mm-hmm. James Gunboat Jackson,
1: he bounty this. That's does. it. And I'm That's a little annoyed with him, to be perfectly frank. Oh, wow. You know, we, we christened him yeah. with that name, and now we're just going to tell him <sighs> that you we're know,
0: pissed off? Yeah, I get it. He's got his gunboat. He does his working out and all that bullshit, whatever the fuck, right? <laughs> And I get it, dude. James, I get it, dude. You go to the gym 10 times a day, right? I know it's all worth the arm pictures. I get it. But dude, <laughs> how much work are you going to put us through with a fucking Nolan movie? It took me five <laughs> hours to watch this movie once. I felt like I was with James at the gym.
1: You know, I'm like, oh, dude, well, dude, you, you guys, fuck? You... You and Jessica fucked it up forever. You realize that, right? You you up and did primer on like episode 20. So now everybody's like, oh, I'll just throw every fucking mind <laughs> fuck movie at him. <laughs> like, ah, shit. So yeah, God, ne- next story. time. I wasn't even on that episode and I'm paying for it.
0: Next time, old fucking gunboats over there doing his whatever the fuck, you know, muscle up shit with chains tied around his neck, whatever the fuck these guys do now in the gym. <laughs>
1: whatever <laughs> fucking plate weight hanging over Wherever- his legs while he does one armed pull ups. <laughs>
0: whatever fucking bullshit cult crap he's doing. I don't know. I can't keep up with these guys and their fucking vascular, their vascular arms. But look, all because you like to go to the gym 10 times, James Gunboat Jackson, doesn't mean we like to watch one two-hour movie for 10 hours, okay? <laughs> We're not in your fucking CrossFit because Cross your body's Fit all club. worked
1: out, we don't got to go fucking crush our brains on this workout. Yeah.
0: I'm fucking barely getting through uh, uh, pull-ups over here, and I'm like dying with the memento hanging off my feet.
1: <laughs> Not to mention how the movie's kind of, you know, a deep dark tragedy and a bummer and what do I get for relief after this? The next episode of Chernobyl, that one where they kill all the dogs? Ah, yeah, they just nice. waste
0: everyone's pets.
1: <laughs> I really get to relax tonight.
0: Super duper. <laughs> awesome. So uh, also we're sorry that we're late. We had a we had a little uh, little family emergency situation of which I won't go into too much detail on for just be uh, just to be to maintain some sense of privacy. But um a family member Um, approximately 170 yards from my house, flipped their car over, leaving my house. And uh, uh, myself and Jessica were among the first people on the scene. And uh, the car was totaled on its uh, upside down. And miraculously, um, the person was standing on the grass, relatively unharmed physically. Which Pretty blew cool oh. in my fucking mind. Because I got to be honest with you, when I was running up on that car, I thought the worst. So Ooh. that happened uh, right before we were about to do this episode. John drove, I don't even know, 40 fucking minutes. I had to turn him around. He was very cool about it. And sadly, John now cannot join us because this is a bounty for Mr. Gunboat CrossFit Jackson. I didn't <laughs> want him to wait another week for something he paid for. So we decided to just get to it. And hopefully we can get John on here soon. So that's the story. Good news. Everyone's good. Obviously there's some financial trauma there, but, um, yeah. So good news. People are alive, but it was fucking scary, scary, a scary moment to be sure. For sure, man. So anyway, that aside, um, let's, uh, Let's talk about some some memento properly, not not like assholes like we're doing. Although we're probably going to do a lot of that because it's kind of what we do. Matthew, a little bit. Tell me about memento. Mm-hmm. Just just tell me.
1: Just so what I think about it, mm-hmm. baby. This is this is up there for me of one of my my first movies that became a minor obsession. I when I first saw this, and I, I kind of got you know what my 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 experience with memento. All I knew about it before actually watching it. Was the fucking home movies episode where they're trying to make a movie backwards and oh they're like they had a really hard time with it and it's super confusing? They're like, well, we got to do it like Memento, and I was like, what is this movie Memento? Does it actually go backwards? What is that? And <laughs> then I, I uh, a high school girlfriend, was like, oh no. You got to watch this movie. Here, take this badass DVD set that has amazing fucking bonus features and even like psychological test menus and all that cool shit. So just that alone, being handed this like weird artifact of a DVD that had all this cool shit. I was like, I'm very intrigued. Definitely my first Christopher Nolan movie. Watched this one time and within a a day or so was watching it again. I, I probably in the first year that I saw this movie, I probably watched it eight times. I uh, fucking love this movie, man. I'm, I know I'm blowing my load on that way early, but uh, I, I just went ahead and prod- brought in my fucking BJ knee pads for this one. Like, <laughs> I am just going to be slobbing hard. I really, really like this movie. And honestly, as much as I think Christopher Nolan himself has evolved as a filmmaker and and, and in many ways only gotten better, I still think Especially this might— visually. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, his films have just taken on such a unique, strong vision of his own, and I think he's great. And I do think his skills have only gotten sharper, but as a singular contained story, one film, this might be his most flawless fucking movie, man. I... Fucking love it! I, I it gets better every time I watch it. I enjoy the shit out of it every time I watch it. Though I forget how fucking sad it is. I'm always like excited about the mystery and the structure of it being played backwards. Sure. And every time I watch it, I'm like, oh yeah, this is so fucking sad. It's actually really dark and 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 just somber film. But fuck, is it good? And it's also man, it's one of my earliest Guy Pierce movies uh, too. And I have been a long time fucking fanboy of Guy Pearce. I still think he doesn't get enough attention. Um if anybody I know I've mentioned it before if anybody hasn't seen The Rover, which was made back in like 2014, mm. that's another uh you know he's actually the lead role in that movie and it's fucking stellar. You know, this uh dystopian Australian fucking outback. It's it's really cool. Yeah. Uh but he's he's fucking incredible, man. His performance is great. Joey Pants is great. Like we were saying, everybody he, every, He's the cast, so easy. Jo- Joey oh, Pants yeah. is a natural. Absolutely. He's a natural. Even Christopher Nolan himself, he said he was, of all the people he cast in the movie, he was nervous about Joey Paneleano. He was like, I thought he might be too villainous, like he, he kind of has that treacherous, because The Matrix had already come out, and that's why they'd cast carrie Ann Moss, and she suggested Joey Panneliano. Um And, and Cr- Nolan was a little nervous about it, not sure if he could fill that Wait, role Wait, who suggested him? carrie Ann Moss. Oh, Cool. Um, but Nolan was like I was saying, he was kind of nervous about casting him, but even he was surprised by it. he's like he brought a ton of like subtlety to the role mm-hmm. uh and, and, and really filled it out uh, more than it was even on paper. And and man, you can see it, man. Cause that's I remember one of my first the, the first real mystery to me when I watched this movie the for the first time was what is this guy's intentions? Like mm-hmm. uh, every yeah, screen it changes. With, with, you know, with with um, with Guy Pierce's character with Leonard, you always have at least an idea, not of necessarily what he's doing, but at least of what he wants to be doing and what his goal is. And with Joey Panaliano, every scene you're like, I he's don't know amazing. about this guy. It's fantastic. but as
0: the movie goes, you there there is an easiness to Joey Pants in which you just start to really believe him. There's a there's a totally. natural way about him to where you believe him, and it's important to remember that Joey Pants plays Ralph Cifaretto in The Sopranos. He's in 21 episodes of The Sopranos, and The Sopranos. I've been rewatching it. It's it's so good. It's such a well written in in realistic show in terms of like the oh, family yeah. dynamic that you you see all manner of character in that. You know, it's it's not just you know brooding pit bull looking Italian bosses. Um, there are a lot of those, uh, but then there is also the Ralph Cifaretto character, and the Ralph Cifaretto character is such a a, a a strange addition to it, and it's and it and it can only be it can only be attributed to Joey Pants like the way he goes about this whole thing, uh, mm-hmm. the way he goes about a way about embracing the Cifaretto character. There's an easiness to him. There's um, there's a charm to him, but he's also very menacing, which sounds almost prototypical for some mafia guys but in a very different way you know he's blonde i was just watching it again he's obsessed with the gladiator right he's always quoting it uh he, he's <laughs> you love to hate him and uh yeah. and he's great in in the he's just the character you're like I, I i can't wait for him to go but i don't want him to go yet he, he, that's totally. that's a good character right that's good acting and like you said, he's just been in so much shit along the lines. Of course, he's he's treacherous in the Matrix. So of course, there's there's a there's an attachment of him. I guess he was a good guy in Bad Boys. He was like the lieutenant or whatever. But you you always get this feeling with him of is he uh, is he treacherous? And I think you know Matrix in part of that it burned it into our minds. So when we're watching Memento, <laughs> we're like, is he a bad guy in this too? Because we don't really know. Right. Right. Ah, uh, dude. There's it's, just a and, lot about, I mean, I, I'm telling you, man, this, I know, I know uh, we're not breaking ground here with Joey Pantoliano, Pantoliano. But, uh, Pantoliano. it's easier to say Joey pants, but, um, <laughs> but, but there is a, there is an ease to the way the expressions hit his face. He doesn't seem like he's pretending. He, he reminds me of that James Conn discussion we talked about with, we know, you know, there's this thing where people say, you know, people are, sometimes people get shit for sort of always being who they are in a sense, right? There's always a shine of their personality, but that's just the reality of acting. It's hard to totally disappear into a role every once in a while, every generation, only a few people do it, right? right. But, um, but there, there's something to be said about his comfortability on, on camera. You, you never really get the feeling like he's trying to act if you know what I mean. Right. They're just right. like, be you, be this guy, here's the script. And that's not to say he's not challenging himself because there are true moments in this when when, when Lenny's talking to him and Lenny doesn't believe he's his friend and he's like, fuck you. Like, how dare you? You can just feel oh, his yeah. performance. It feels so real to me.
1: Right. And, and I, and I, I never how, like, would have noticed line, right.
0: it 18 years ago.
1: Right. And, you know, I was that, more
0: interested in the plot 18 years ago.
1: Exactly, and and, that, and the same for me when I when I first saw this, you know, I was really young when this had come out, and I saw it a couple years after it had come out. Um, but but yeah, and this dude also for me, this was one of the standout movies. Um, you know, it's been a while since we talked about some of these, but I remember talking about how like 2001 was like such a big movie for me as far as like wow, this is. A new thing I have not seen movies do before this. Like, that was like a, a moment of film watching for me. Like, wow, this, this is what you can do. This is the kind of scale you can achieve with a, a science fiction story. And then, you know, different movies that strike you visually. Like, I remember, I think it was either Vertigo or The Birds, it was a Hitchcock movie where I was like, I didn't think a movie could look like this, like the way he frames things, the way he shoots things. Like, you're kind of just seeing, like kind of stretching the boundaries of like, how much shit can you do with this medium and this art form? And this this one was another, like on that list of Whoa! You can make a movie, a story backwards, and it's not just a gimmick. It is the structure of the story is an integral part of the narrative and how you understand and feel about the story. I'm, I'm glad you. I'm glad you brought up.
0: I'm glad you brought up the idea of it being sort of a gimmick, right? I guess right. if you wanted to be a really harsh movie critic, you could talk about. Okay, so so is the movie gimmicky? That's a that's a fair argue, question.
1: It's a, definitely a fair question, but I would I would come down hard. That is absolutely not
0: right. I would agree with that as well because I think, and, and here is why: because I think if you watch for, for two reasons, like Pulp Fiction, the 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 out of sequence has a gimmick feel to it, but it also makes sense in the way the story unfolds and the information and where we get it, which is kind of neat. But is it necessary? Mm. I, so in, in, no, 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 in Pulp Fiction.
1: Oh 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 in pulp fiction. Yeah, yeah. That that one, boy, it's been a while since I've seen it. Yes. I think that one's more up for debate. I think there's a good argument on either side for that I, of, I agree. No, it definitely it adds something to it, but then there are moments where I'm like, but you don't it doesn't require it.
0: <laughs> it. It it is. It it is just an artistic decision to try to do something new. And I'm not and I'm not saying pulp fiction's dumb for doing it. Pulp fiction is an amazing movie. I think it's fantastic. I love it dearly classic for a reason. It's a, it's a cultural phenomenon as far as I can tell based on when it came out and, and all of a sudden it was this whole new thing. People were talking about it. And yeah, I know a lot of people say he uses a lot of techniques that Scorsese uses, but that's what people do. You know, there's a, there's a lot of that in, in film, but I'm kind of off the beaten path. I guess my point is this, it makes really sense to shoot this movie this way because of the main character's condition. It makes yeah, you absolutely. feel like him.
1: Yes. And see, dude, that is a, this movie, people throw that phrase around all the time, like, we're going to put you in the main character's shoes. Like, they'll say that because they're like, yeah, you get this, like, five-second shot where it's from his point of view. You're in his shoes. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> sort of, I guess. This movie fucking lays all those other losers to rest. Like, this is a movie where they take the structure of how we're going to present the story to you and, and the editing of it and actually put you in the same level of confusion and non-knowledge that the main character is uh, of being like I don't understand what this person's intentions are. They just walked into the room and I have no context for this. I don't know why they're here. They're talking to him angrily and I have no idea why. I don't know what led to this. You are fine. You are in the main character's shoes. You are confused the same way he is. And honestly, I, another example of of it being Done this effectively doesn't jump to mind for me. Like that. That's why I think this movie has stayed with me for as long as it has, and still kind of when people, whenever I get into any kind of discussion of like, what's your favorite Christopher Nolan movie, there are ones that I think maybe are more unique, maybe more like have a more interesting visual style. But at the end of the day, I I end up going, man, I think Memento might still actually be my favorite one Mm -hmm. of his movies. I, I think it's it's just incredible. Nothing has ever made me feel this way. Uh, as far as like understanding and empathizing with a main character of a story,
0: I can't say enough good about Christopher Nolan. I think he's fucking great, and and I think and and so much of it is we we know that he likes to mess around with the linear nature of storytelling and things of that. That you could argue is a signature style, and. Totally. And, and and I don't mean to say yes. His his style evolved visually, and that's not a contr- It's not controversial to say that in two thousand, his first really kind of big movie was was maybe not as visually impressive as say Dunkirk. There's nothing wrong with that, right? Right. Totally. <laughs> because you get better over time, right? That's mm-hmm. that's the way it goes. And um, at least that's the way you hope it goes, right? I know there's a couple of people who are like, my favorite LSG episode is number three. And I'm like, damn, that's a bummer. (laughs) But but at the same time, no, it isn't, right? You know, it's like our personalities are still there. I mean, obviously we've gotten more comfortable over time. But my point in saying this is this, that I love that he doesn't go back to rely on this gimmick. And I love that he can tell a story and that in terms of his eye, you get much more intense cinematography as his as his career progresses i mean from 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 batman begins to prestige to dark knight to inception to darkness rises dark knight rises i mean think of the visual think of interstellar then think of dunkirk you're like jesus Ugh. man this guy just keeps getting better in terms of yeah. visually speaking and um and that's one of the things I love about this is that he, he resisted the urge, and, and I'm not saying he was incapable of giving us more sweeping vistas and memento, but he, resist, he resists the urge to do so. I'm making this up, pulling out of my ass. I'm, I'm theorizing <laughs> because it's unnecessary to the, to the story because what we need to do and something you and I talk about a lot is certain filmmakers will make a movie and they want you to feel the claustrophobia of that because that's the movie. That's not to right. say this is claustrophobic, but the idea of shooting it the way they do, uh, sort of in reverse, helps us get a feeling of a little bit of confusion. But it also, keeping a lot of these shots tight, nothing really big and crazy. And, and in the shots he does do, like this very opening shot, we go, okay, we're going to go backwards. I see. He's he's letting you know, yes, and, and that's man. something Nolan's great at. He's letting you know what's going to happen, so you're not utterly Jarred away. And that's what's awesome about Memento is that it's not that confusing,
1: actually. <laughs> right? it's, it's, yeah. Once it, you've seen this a good, you know, six, seven times, well, you realize that the <laughs> plot, the fucking, <laughs> I know, right? Once, it's, it's not, not that you confusing. Once you've on watched
0: this. it 26 times, it's pretty
1: clear <laughs> it's what's <easy>. happening. <laughs> <laughs> once you get your doctorate in Nolan studies, this shit's fucking a priest. That's hilarious. Uh, but no, like when once you really and it's not even that you have to like untangle a lot, it's just once you know what the plot is without having to jump back and trying to remember, the plot, the actual chronological plot, is pretty fucking simple. There's actually not a lot there, but the meat of the movie is our main character having his sense of reality distorted and trying to pull these, like in a way it's almost a good meta sense of showing how hard it would be for someone like him to put all of these pieces together into something coherent, yes. even when the pieces are actually kind of simple. Like it's not that crazy difficult mm-hmm. what's happening, and, and, but and he it, can't fucking understand it.
0: And after a couple of moments, in well, this is one of the things that, oh God, this movie is just so good. There's so many so things good. that happen in this movie where where some of the dialogue... Y- y- <laughs> movies sometimes will tell you a thing and then hope that you understand that that's what they're kind of going for by bringing attention to the thing with the dialogue. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: Now, in Memento, there is attention brought to a thing with dialogue, but then you actually get to literally feel that thing exactly. because of the way the story is told. For example... I'm being elusive here. When they talk about, and, and we will go through this as it's shot, but yes, w- what I'm talking about is when they talk about the unreliability of eyewitness testimony, the unreliability of memory, they talk about that, but they've already spent a lot of the movie making you feel that way. But what the dialogue does is it makes you go, yeah, that is kind of what's happening here, isn't it? Versus mm-hmm. here's what we're going to do and then we hope you get what we're telling you along the way. Right. Nolan right. Nolan has a lot of respect for the movie going audience. And that's what I like. It's not he's not gonna spoon feed it to you, but at the same time, he's not being overly he's not trying to obfuscate the whole thing to where no. you go, oh, I'm gonna watch it again, I gotta take fucking notes, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, you if if you just sit down and watch it and pay attention, you don't get up three times for popcorn, you don't gotta go let the dog out. You're like, Oh, I'll just no, let her run, honey. I'm gonna I'm gonna just take her out real quick. Dude. Fucking sit down and watch the movie, and you'll get it. It's not super, super complicated. It's really not. Now, there's some interpretations as to possibly what happened, but in my opinion, that makes a good movie. But I almost feel like it has almost become explicit to me now after a few viewings.
1: I I totally agree. Um, And I I think that's, again, Nolan's real skill with this movie is finding – a way cuz i mean i would argue essentially that editing this movie in such a way to to have it go backwards or to go in reverse chronological order is a way of visually giving you that sense of reverse time um, and the same way like i this opening sequence the opening yeah, moments before it. it before it starts dude this is up there among, among my my absolute favorite movie openings of all time because it achieves two very concrete things Visually, like we establish that for one, this story is going to play in reverse, literally. Like we watch that is this so picture, cool. and that's amazing, and it, that's so simple. All he did was just reverse the film, but it it, it tells you, it is telling you upfront. This is almost like the prologue of the story, saying everything is going to go backwards. So fucking buckle up. Um, and also another great thing about what it establishes of our main character, it's from his point of view. We're watching, we're looking at his hand, the thing he's holding, the thing he's looking at it, and it's fading away. Mm -hmm. It is fading away like his memories do. You're watching something very clear become completely white and the image is gone, just like his brain. That is fucking excellent writing and excellent filmmaking. And boy, is it a fucking breath of fresh air after Mr. Brooks and Space Pirates, baby? (laughs) We're in good hands. (laughs) It
0: is. It is a different type of entertainment, truth be (laughs) told. Indeed. (laughs) but uh you know it's funny too when you watch this it's almost like you forget oh the picture's gonna fade and and you're watching him shake it but then as you watch it fade it, it's funny that your eye then is drawn to the backwards motion of his hand right it's interesting yeah like you don't you you don't it's it, you can see the strangeness like the uh, uncanny valley the we've seen a hand shake a thing too many times to to not realize something's amiss here even if the thing isn't fading away and that's what i like about it so it's
1: really you know and you know how you can tell is by how the hand stops when it stops Correct. shaking. It, it stops so perfectly still. In. It just, right. just snaps together. Right. Ah, like it, it's so great. <laughs> I fucking love this movie. <laughs> yep. uh, gun
0: to hand, rewind, and um, you know that the, there's the narrations where he's just talking about. Oh, oh, well, before this, he shoots the guy, so why don't we talk about that? <laughs> I,
1: yeah, I guess it is important that he does uh, blow Joey Pants' fucking brains out <laughs> in the first, like, minute and a half of the movie. It's so nuts. <laughs> and that's, you know, one interesting thing I read was that the only, like, as far as the visuals, it's all in reverse, but the only sounds that were actually played in reverse, because the sound of, like, the, the, the shell, like, rolling back and the sound of the gunshot, those are all played normal, like, you know, straightforward. The only thing that's played backwards is uh, Panaleano screaming, no. It's like, on.
0: That's like, cool. It has that
1: weird reverse sound to it.
0: It's slick too. When you, when you watch the scene, I, I watched it so many times, but when you watch the, the actual round, the shell casing, go back into the, into the pistol and you see yeah. his eyes blink in his eyebrows, like go backwards. Cause you can tell he's really firing a blank there. It's really neat. You see the way his eyes blink. It's, it's cool. <laughs> it's wild <sighs> looking, man. So cool. It is. It's so crazy. So where are you, Matt? You're in a room. You wake up, you're in a hotel room, right?
1: <laughs> some hotel. Room, keys. Some bed. It feels
0: like maybe it's just the first time you've been there, but perhaps you've been there for a week, who's Whoa. to say? 3 months? That's, again,
1: that that narration, what a great way of starting out, like this is this is how this character finds themselves at all times. At all times. This is not even just when they wake up at each new day. Every 10-15 minutes or so, you're just, wow, hey, where am I? What am I doing? Whose clothes am I wearing? <laughs> like mm-hmm. I don't fucking remember any of this
0: yep and uh and, and it's important to note the the color versus the black and white scenes right. Black and yes, white indeed. seems to be traveling sequentially colors clearly not definitely not
1: yep and, and boy, like what I mean just to step outside of it again for a second, I know we gotta like start getting into it, but fucking hell, I can't imagine pitching this movie <laughs> oh right <laughs> like, right like having to be like oh no it'll, it'll make sense because there'll be like a two seconds at the end of each scene that kind of overlaps to let you know that we're still going backwards but kind of forwards and like i could just see studios exact just staring at you like fucking what <laughs> is is like a superhero gonna show up or anything how the fuck do we market this like, yeah God, well I'm there's so a lot of there was it. a
0: lot of trickery in the in the late 90s and around here right you had fincher doing weird shit and And they probably like, all right, let's, let's see what happens. Let's give them
1: a chance. I love it. When we get those periods of where weirdos get a hold of the, the, the power for like a couple years (laughs) and like, we get some interesting shit that pops out before they're like, ah, fuck it. Let's just make, you know, the next Captain Marvel movie. Fuck
0: it. (laughs) When they were like, wait a minute, how can I make a gajillion dollars with
1: very little risk? Oh, we (laughs) found something here.
0: Marvel, done. <laughs> uh,
1: pack it up, boys. We found the only cash cow we made.
0: There goes Matthew Tate again pretending the only <laughs> movies that come out are MCU movies. Here's an email list of 26 awesome indie movies from fucking A24. <laughs> no shit, we uh. get it. It's a joke, assholes. Relax. <laughs> we understand about your fucking cute indie movies where they don't have sound for 20 minutes. Yeah, it's a like
1: good Man. shit. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Can already hear him crying about it, baby. We covered under the skin. Fuck off! <laughs> All right,
0: following oh, your yeah, boner into, into a it. black pool of death. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's the best summation
0: they could get. Ah. In And uh, oh, smiley Joey Pants, ah,
1: what a charmer! Dude, and see that's what you were talking about earlier with him. I, I think it it's a great casting choice too because he plays into familiarity so well. That's a big part of how his character uh, is manipulating Leonard. Of mm-hmm. Just he smiles at him. Hey, Lenny, and he's like, he knows yeah. that he doesn't recognize him every fucking time. Yeah, he
0: does know, right? <laughs> um, I have this condition. I must have told you about it. Only every time I see you. But uh, <laughs> yeah, man, Joey Pants kind of looks like. He almost looks like he could be Bill Burr if he did red hair and shaved his mustache a little bit. Dude. He, had, he had this kind
1: of... That is... Dude, that is literally what what uh, Jess had never seen this movie before. No and we were watching And we were watching it together. And for one, she, she said something crazy. She was like, I've been told about this movie for years and had it recommended to me for years. And no one ever told me that it went in reverse. Crazy. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? That would have been the first thing I had t- told you to try and t- get you to watch it. Hmm. Uh, and she was like, yeah, I would have jumped on it way sooner if I'd known that. But then she was like, also, nobody told me Bill Burr was in this fucking movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Bill Jr.
0: What the hell is that other movie
1: that came out around and Run, Lola, Run. Remember that? That was
0: also, I'm telling you, man, there was a little couple of years there. They're like, let's do some it's weird shit. Yeah. yeah.
1: I don't know why I thought That's of it Run, true. Lola, Run, but I did. <laughs> it's the one where she's like running. You yeah. Got red hair. Yeah, she's running <laughs> with red hair. <laughs> there we
0: go. And it's like Got she it. bumps into people and then there's, uh, I don't remember. And like all these quick flash images of that person's life or something. I don't remember. But anyway, <laughs> back, to, uh, back to Joey Burr Joey Pantsper. But um, yeah, he's, uh, Teddy tries to pretend Lenny's car is not the Jaguar. And it's funny. See, this is what's so brilliant about this movie. It, it, he's doing that because he's concerned for Teddy. We have to remember that now.
1: Or you mean concern for Leonard? Leonard, excuse me. Teddy's yeah. concerned
0: for Lenny at this point. Yeah. It's as not like he's plot. trying to trick him out of his car, but you don't know that. No. Because at first, we're like, oh, this is the guy he blows away, and now you're like, and now he's trying to take his car? So right. the movie well, starts well, to set also, you
1: up like, like Lenny would feel
0: as we totally. feel, right? We feel as also, Lenny I mean-
1: feels. What a narrative, like jolt to be like, all right, the movie opens up with him blowing this dude away. Mm-hmm. And then the next scene, he's like, Lenny. And you're like, wait, <laughs> these guys are pals? Like, you just, I just watched you kill this fucking mm-hmm. dude, execution style. And you're chumming it up next scene. Okay. Like, that's already mystery is already just fucking abound. You're like, okay, mm-hmm. I don't understand any of this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as far as to step out and talk about like the, the actual plot where we are right here, you, what, you, what helps to remember that it honestly will help make the entire sense, the entire movie make more sense to you, especially if you are kind of confused by it, if this is the first time you've seen it, to think about the fact that Teddy, throughout the entire movie, every scene you see him in, he is trying to cover up for what Leonard's doing, and for one, just get him out of town, Mm -hmm. because he knows the cops are going to be after him. He's just trying to cover up and get Lenny away that's what he wants. So yep. that's why that's that's the motivation behind pretty much all of his actions at, at you know these color parts of the movie where he's like, "Dude, just get the fuck out of here! You killed a guy. Right. <laughs> get out of town! I orchestrated your murdering of someone. So leave."
0: Yep, absolutely. It's a good point. It's also a good point to note that we we now know that we're we're probably going to see what we'd imagine are the reasons as to why he came up with wanting to get rid of Teddy. That's what we think we're going to see. We're going to think, oh, what's this guy do to him? And mm-hmm. that's the real crazy part of the end of the movie, of course. Oh, absolutely. Anyway, um, he's got a Polaroid of, of the car, reminding him it's his car. Um, Lenny has a lead on a place. He forgot his window was broken in the car. I like that. And that's almost like a test by, by, by um, Teddy. Put your window
1: up. Yeah. right. That's a good point.
0: Unless he doesn't know. He might not know he shot at him. But I would imagine he told him in a conversation. Because remember, we're not privy to every conversation
1: that's been had. No. And right? it's implied that Teddy has been calling him in his hotel room a lot more than we have seen. Sure.
0: So um, Lenny has the lead on a place and um, he has the scratches on his face that are they're not mentioned.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Those have been there for a
0: little while. And then we get to, we get to the place and we see the pickup truck. Which is right. We're gonna see Teddy driving, uh, T- Lenny driving there too in the last scene. We know, we already know this is his car. He doesn't recognize it
1: exactly. It's awesome. And Teddy in this moment too, he's like, "Oh," he, when he goes over to you know, Lenny starts walking over to the truck, and he's like, "Oh, I'll just leave that alone. It's been there for years." Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> we know Lenny drove it there like two days ago,
0: right? Which is a shit lie. Which is is figured out. He got like when he goes the Trax refresh, He's like, Trax, oh, what are you, Pocahontas?" such a dick I love him and then the bullets in the cab on the front seat and then uh, Lenny just heads on inside and he starts looking over his pictures right
1: that's it and And that's when he sees the note he left on Teddy's where he's like do not trust his lies he is the one kill him right and That's- he fucking, without hesitation, cold cocks him with the butt of his pistol and drops him to the floor. You're going to beg for forgiveness, and then I'm going to blow your brains out.
0: Right. So now we're starting to understand how this movie is going to work, because clearly this is leading up to the scene we just saw before it in color.
1: Exactly.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, yeah. man. And the dialogue here— Again, what's so crazy about this? It just boggles my mind to this day. That I'm like, wow, the structure and and the 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 synchronicity of putting all this together. I'm like, all right, this is going to make sense. Uh, the fact that this is technically timeline wise, I mean, it's it's the end, but we're still having dialogue that's establishing what the problems even are because we have this this moment from from Teddy where he's on the ground and he's like. You don't have a clue, you freak. You don't even know mm-hmm. who you are. You don't know what's going on. And that's something you could be saying directly to the audience. Like, you don't know who mm-hmm. you are. You don't know what's going on with this yet. You don't understand it. even. And, and I think that's it's important to see him saying that in the intensity of this moment with a fucking gun being pointed at him by by Lenny. He is still going, you don't even get it. You're ready to kill me, but you don't know fucking why. Not in yep. truth.
0: Yep. You don't even know my... And that's because you read it off a picture. Like, that's... Mm-hmm. Man, it's funny, and it brings into question this whole idea of of some of the sort of, uh, you wouldn't say ethical, but some of the more interesting questions about memory, psychology, evidence, testimony, witnessing, a lot of the things brought up by Lenny at these times is that it is, it is bananas to think he has a picture with a simple writing on the back of it, but then at the same time, you know it's your handwriting, you know you wrote it. You know yourself. Right. So it's really hard to, to to sort of not trust yourself. But the memory, the lingering memory problem has to give you
1: pause. Oh, right? That's the thing. That's what's interesting about linnea He's been doing it long enough to where obviously, I mean, he still can't make new memories. But he is very used to trusting his notes. Indeed. He's, he He's kind of at a point where he doesn't question notes. He has a system. Um, he has a system and I just rely on that system and I don't think about the ways that system could be corrupted or manipulated. He just trusts it because, and you can't blame him in a lot of ways because you're like, what else could you trust? Like, mm-hmm. in, if you have this condition, um, and that, so he just kind of does without question and even like you're saying like uh teddy points that out to me. he's like you, you i know your name he's like that's because you read it on a fucking picture like you don't you don't know what my name is and even i love that point where he's like you don't even know who you are and he goes yes i do i'm you know i'm leonard i'm from san francisco and he's like that's who you were yep. that's not what you've become like you don't even know how long it's been since you were that person and that's the real
0: fuck of this movie Absolutely. Is is that we don't know how long this has been going on. We don't know. To, to, to Lenny, he lives in 15-minute increments. To us, he could be living in 15-minute increments times 500 times. He could have done this yeah. 500 times. We have no clue at this point, which is fascinating. And I think that's one of the interesting points about the movie, this idea about conditioning. They talk about that. some of the Some of the instinctual things that would travel to a different part of your brain which will come right. up later. But I do, man, it, it's funny too, when you think about this relative to sort of history in the development of technology, we, in 2000, and it's not that long ago, man, but you think in 2000, we we didn't have the mentality. I, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm speaking for everyone,
1: but maybe <laughs> I should just All speak
0: for myself. Me, the people I knew, we didn't think in terms of, surveillance to sort of capture things like nowadays this movie would be interesting to watch if you'd never seen it before which is why i'm curious about jess's take on it you're jess um, because she didn't see it back then she saw it in 2019 and and we know sort of the zeitgeist now is everything is recorded all the time and it's visual it's a phone it's an image it's on social media it's kind of everywhere you, you would almost feel like you, you feel like Lenny's plight would be less challenging now than it than it is then and not just from the technology but just from the idea of the way to go about capturing the data back then we could have thought get a recording device get a get a portable VHS recorder but even though those things existed they weren't ubiquitous like a cell phone right, right. it was still right. a, a thing it was in a, like if you had a big giant event you'd be like okay we're going to record this part of the ceremony and then that's it People, you know, it wasn't like, unless you're some weirdo student making, it wasn't as ubiquitous. And that's, that's not controversial. Everyone wasn't walking around with a VHS camera because it wasn't indicative to your everyday life. Like it was actually a a big deal if you knew
1: somebody who had one of those. It was like, well, they have a camera. It was, you know,
0: you're like the rich friend was like, oh, they got a camera in their house. I'm going to film myself like, I don't know, catching a fucking football or jump doing flips in the pool. Stupid shit like that, you know? Yeah. And and we're going to watch them later. Yeah. But it, but, but it was always like, well, this is shit quality compared to movies. You know, it's, it's just not the way we thought back in 2000. And that's why, even though I was breaking the movie's balls, largely in jest, saying, why doesn't he have a better capture system? And it's, and it's not because the technology wasn't available to him, like more than what he's doing, writing on Polaroids, that is a little slipshod, but at the same time, it just wasn't even thought of that way back then. So that's where I let the movie off the hook a little bit, because People might say, "Why doesn't he record voice? Why isn't because because you're thinking with a 2019 brain? That's why,
1: <laughs> exactly, right." And honestly, I could imagine kind of like you know the, the same false expectations we had about the internet when we first started. Of like, "Wow, it's going to you know bring truth and and make things clear, and we'll have <laughs> access to all the information we could ever have." And in truth, it's just muddied everything up in, in insanely, and made it that much more confusing and difficult to find the truth. I think somebody with this condition in 2019 would. They'd have more tools, but I feel like it would be almost even more fucking confusing. Right,
0: There's because so how, how easy is it to doctor stuff now?
1: have oh, that too. Jesus Christ. I mean, it's, it's going to get
0: to the point where audio and visual recorded evidence is just inadmissible. Are unreliable. Yeah. yeah. Inadmissible. Yep. Crazy. And it'll be, all right, we're going to jack into your brain then.
1: Dude, I want to talk about this moment. And this, honestly, I didn't notice it until this most recent viewing for the podcast. And it is such a powerful, quiet moment in this movie uh, where after he's like, you want to know who you are? You really want to know? Come on down with me to the basement. I'll show you who you are. And you can see, they have this pause, where they stop talking. And you can see Leonard... You know he doesn't he obviously doesn't have the conscious memory of what that means and what's down there in the basement but he looks to the side kind of like that probably is the truth like I would see the truth of what I am down there I don't think he's lying about that but I'm going to go ahead and carry through with my intention because I don't trust this guy mm-hmm. even if he's telling the truth about that I'm I I don't trust him and you can see when he turns back and looks at Teddy Teddy recognizes it too like no he's fucking wasting me There's no talking him. There's no manipulating him out of it this time. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a hell of a moment.
0: It's a great moment. And we go back to black and white. Mm
1: -hmm. And this is where we, again, we're doing the the laying out. Like, Mm -hmm. even though this is not the beginning of the story, we're still laying out how it's all going to work. He has a system. He has a system of notes. He has a system of tattoos, which is fucking wild. It's wild. So back at the room.
0: that he doesn't remember, right? There's nothing in the drawers, but you look anyway. The Gideon Bible, he discusses that he's aware of who he is. He also discusses the note-taking process. He brings up Sammy Jenkins and the same mm-hmm. problem, but he didn't have a system. He wrote himself a ridiculous amount of notes, but he'd get them all mixed up, and we fade out. We go back to color. Uh, I like the tease on Sammy Jenkins.
1: Yeah. I think it, the Jankus. first
0: thing you do, Jenkins, excuse me, is that you go, oh, wait a minute. Two guys with this condition? It seems really right. rare,
1: right? And and I was Dude, like, all right. When I,
0: <laughs> when I first watched it, I was like, oh, okay, movie.
1: Dude, when I first watched it, it was probably because I was so young. I didn't question that at all. I was like, huh, Sammy Jenkins. There was another, there was another person with us? That's crazy. <laughs> I didn't mean—that's not to say I assumed
0: it was the same person, but I thought, movie, this is kind of corny. You're
1: like, like that's it, a stretch.
0: It's yeah. a stretch. For, for, for the guy to have it to know another guy that has it, has it. Uh, I thought that on the first watch way back in the day. But watching it this time around, I didn't think that because— and maybe that's my condition, mine from 2019, because everybody who has anything knows other people with the thing because of the internet, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, oh, you like, you, you like, uh, you know, uh, furry versions of the Thundercats with lion dick out. Me too. Let's just start a group. <laughs> Me too. furry dick out group. It's like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> there was an obscure thing, like 700 people are in this group. You know I mean? So- it, it it's funny thinking back on what I thought then. And what I think about it now I was like, yeah, it makes sense. He probably would have sought out another guy or, or read a case about a guy. And that doesn't seem too unrealistic to me. Actually. Isn't that funny? Back then I was like, bullshit. <laughs> Cause <it's, laughs> well, <yeah. laughs> even though at the end of the day, we know most likely we're talking about the same person here. So anyway, um, in color, he, he, uh, he has the note on Teddy's picture, don't believe his lies. He's the one. Kill him, right? He sees it, and then Lenny heads downstairs and talks to this guy, Bert. He explains his condition. I, I like... I mean, this is good directing here because every actor he interacts with has a look on their face like, this is crazy that you don't remember. And they all, they all pull it off. Right. Nobody he right. talks to ever has a face. Like, when you watch it a second time, you go, look at his face. He knows. It's just really good acting and really good directing to be given to these actors here where they're like, okay, you you have to pretend you've heard this before and they all just kind of have this smile on their face like, I know something you kind of don't know.
1: Yeah, it's man. It's funny. I, I love this moment with the, the hotel like uh, cashier dude where he's like, yeah, I, I know actually, yeah, you've told me this before. It's just so crazy, man. Yes, like, yes. It's yes. just so weird that you can look me dead in the eye and tell me the same story you told me yesterday and have no fucking memory. Yeah, it's good stuff. So bizarre,
0: <laughs> but I like it. And, and this is another really awesome part of this movie. I love this shit. With when you watch it a second time, and this is where Guy P- Pierce really shines. We've been sucking off Joey Pants a lot, but I'm gonna suck off <laughs> that, uh, that lithe, ripped body of Guy Pierce for just a minute. Oh, yeah. <laughs> which is when he's watching Bert's reactions, we watch something click in, in Lenny's eyes, which is, oh, He's heard this before. Like yeah. there's a recognition in Guy Pearce's face and it's just great. And I hadn't watched this movie in a decade and I was watching it, and I go, look at that. Look at that right there. He knows. Mm-hmm. And then he says, oh, we've, we've, we've done this before. And But, but, but man, just the decision to shoot his face coming to the realization before he delivers the line really worked for me.
1: Yeah, Absolutely. Again, dude. Fucking Guy Pierce is so good, and those piercing fucking blue eyes and that chisel jaw. How the fuck wasn't he like the, the other Brad Pitt? I just yeah. still don't get it. It still yeah. upsets me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still bothers me. Yep. He <laughs> I wake so- up in the night, Dean, screaming, sweat covered. Why did they fuck over Guy Pierce?
0: <laughs> well, the good news is that Guy Pierce, uh, had his. He's been in. He's been in plenty of shit. He's fine. Yeah, he's doing fine. He's, <laughs> he's doing he's fine, fine, dude. He's fine. He's a, (laughs) he's a, he's a a pro. Fucking pro. But, um, yeah, I like this. I like this part a lot. (laughs) And
1: then of course, this is um, where he he talks a little, yeah, (laughs) Lenny. (laughs) 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 And that is, that's again, like that is such a necessary part of editing this movie of giving it that, that two to three second overlap from the previous scene to let you know, yes, this is the direction we're still moving. This is how these two scenes connect. Um this is where they would connect if they were going chronologically. Mm-hmm. Um and and they and even Nolan was uh, in an interview talking about how he specifically they would try to find these memorable moments, memorable pieces of audio or or of an image that would stick out to you. So once you see it again you're like, "Oh, that's the end of this. This is the end of that of the scene I'm watching right now and the beginning of the prior one. I get it." Because it's recognizable. It's not just somebody walking through a door. It's it's his smiling face, Lenny boy, you know, and it's something that <laughs> sticks out in your memory.
0: Yeah. I just I just uh, man, <laughs> he's so funny. I, I just keep thinking of thinking of him as Ralph Cifaretto and he makes fun of like this really important mob boss, Johnny Sax's wife. He's like, you're fat fucking ass, and it causes this whole beef, you know it's funny, <laughs> yeah, it's just every time I see him, lenny, <laughs> just so funny, <laughs> man, <laughs> love that dude,, so Lenny shows up, excuse me, Teddy shows up, then we go back to black and white we see the note shave attached to his thigh above his knee. Mm-hmm.
1: This is where he starts talking about the tattoos. They are the more, yeah. yeah, this is the system of his tattoos, the more permanent notes. And this is where it's not quite fully established here, but we start to get the sense of like, that's where he puts the things that don't change, at least in his perspective. Vital. Right. The facts, the hard facts that are unchanging about his case, about the the story of the man. He's trying to find John G. Um, that's where he puts that information. It's got to go on his body where it can't be lost. It cannot be, you know, overwritten by somebody else. He's got it.
0: Yep. And then we get the quick, who is this phone call? And we go right to color and we see him washing his hands, looking at the tattoo that says, remember
1: Sammy Jankis. Dude, one thing I never noticed, and I honestly can't even take credit for noticing it now because of all fucking things, a YouTube comment I saw pointed this out. And I was like, oh, fuck, that's actually a really good point. Um, the, when you look at his handwriting, even on his tattoos, even every note he makes, they are all capital block letters. That's mm-hmm. how he writes. The one other time, because like, if you see his Remember Sammy Jenkins tattoo, it's kind of a light, small you know, letter cursive. The only other time we ever see him write a note that way is when he writes at Teddy's insistence that, no, write that note down on Natalie that you can't trust her. And he goes, okay, and writes down, do not trust her. And he's like, see, I wrote it. And it's in small cap, uh, small cursive letters mm-hmm. as in, I don't fully mean this. Like I, I'm kind of just, I'm not fully committed to the truth of this. And that's the only tattoo on his body like that. I was like, Ooh, that is an interesting point.
0: Right. We, we know he does some of the tattoos, but he also gets some of them done. It's true. Probably yeah. those really slick block letters. He's not doing by hand. That and, uh, would be a, niche. <laughs> be a pretty good prison tat. <laughs> he could go into that business, but, but um, um, right. So he looks at it and we see him, um, spot the wrist tattoo for a moment. And then we realize he's at some sort of diner and the waiter hands him a key in an envelope, right? Indeed. And then here is a huge, huge clue in this movie. Something I think about a lot. And I didn't think about a lot then is that he says, Lenny says, where's Lincoln street. Mm. Why what do I that love mean? that? Because we know he's not where he lives. He's somewhere oh, not true. really close to where he lives. You, if you live in a place forever, remember he has all his memories So Lincoln Street wasn't constructed after his wife's death, right? Right. Because if somebody in my town goes, oh, and listen, I understand that it's not utterly far-fetched to be in a big fucking city and not know every place, and I'm thinking small town mentality, but if somebody's like, oh, do you know this road? I'd go, yeah, I know that road. I've heard it before, for sure. I wouldn't be like, do you know what I mean? It always made me think, Mm -hmm. oh, is he not super close to home? Is he... Is he a little out of sorts? It made me think a lot watching it on this on this uh, particular viewing.
1: Yeah, and I, I love the way he says it to her. The guy's like, "Oh yeah, it's just down this way," and he's like, "Oh, let me write it down." And he's like, "Oh no no, it's really simple." He's like, "Trust me, I need to write it down." But I that's gotta, the other that's the other part
0: is that it, it it not only does he need to write it down, but he doesn't even know how to get there from the street. The guy's telling him, which means this goes exactly. This is this is not his. He he's out of sorts because of his issue but also he's not in his territory like you didn't you know you 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 would know if he starts giving you more no it's here it's really simple it's up the road blah blah blah
1: right totally that's and that's but i guess now that i think about it the movie never really establishes where they are it certainly doesn't look like San Francisco and that's where he's like i'm Leonard Shelby i'm from San Francisco and i guess that's where he him and his wife were but i don't think that's where he is now it almost looks more like LA
0: sure tough to say but um yeah so, um so He drives off uh, looking for the discount in. He gets to a room that's clearly lived in. His stuff is there. He has a whiteboard of notes. He opens an envelope, which is from someone named Natalie. There's an image of Teddy. And Mm -hmm. um, we see it's like um, some printed DMV records. And it says his name is John Edward Gamble. It's a San Francisco driver's license. He pulls the picture of Teddy and the back reads, don't believe his lies. (laughs) Uh, so now the audience much like lenny is starting to have doubts about teddy
1: right you're thinking oh that wasn't even his name he lied about that this is his real name okay yep and uh lenny calls
0: the number for teddy when teddy uh answers lenny says john edward gamble question mark and this is brilliant teddy doesn't bite
1: yeah he's like oh lenny it's teddy coming on over right
0: he kind of ignores it just yeah steamrolls it he does And uh, Lenny takes off his shirt and we see all the tattoos, and that's the cool aha moment.
1: Oh, yeah. John G. raped and murdered my wife.
0: Great.
1: Kill him. (laughs) So now at this point,
0: we go, oh, this is clear. (laughs) It's clear that Joey's pants is the bad guy. Of course he is, right?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're like, well, this is it. This is the guy he's been looking for, and we're gonna. F-. And you, I, I could even imagine somebody seeing this in their first time going, "Oh, okay, so now we're gonna find out more about who's involved outside of John G. That's sure. gonna become the wider no. Uh,
0: and I no, like no, no, I like the, the, the way they pace these little shots out. And this these little cuts, which is Lenny writes on the back of the picture, he's the one. Then he sees the John G. raped and murdered my wife tattoo. Then he writes, "Kill him." Yeah, and then he loads a gun. That's <laughs> awesome, man.
1: And We find out all the facts. The first fact is that he's male. Second fact that he's white. Uh, third fact that his name is either John or James. Uh, and then we, you know, we find out that he <clears throat> is somehow related to drugs, maybe a drug dealer. Uh, and this is this is this is his hard facts in his mind. But when it's one of those things where it's crazy when you stop and think about it, because you're like, these are mostly pretty broad facts. Well, that's the
0: problem you know, with the whole thing and that's why you have exactly. a moment of doubt when you're watching this is when you go why not write the whole last name? Right. Right? Exactly. Are we positive about I mean John is
1: not uncommon. John's definitely not uncommon. Which comes
0: up at the end of the movie of course, but um yeah.
1: it, it is. It's you're just, like, "Uh, oh, man, really?" fact one white fact two male all right i'm gonna go kill a guy like what whoa that's there's a lot of those by the way <laughs> holy shit how many white johns are there
0: <laughs> so many anyway um black and white he discusses having a reason to make it all work and how he's motivated and driven to make it work and how he discusses how sammy was not mm-hmm. it's a very important but brief moment in this movie
1: exactly and he talks about, he even says, Sammy's story helps me understand my own situation. Indeed. And boy, it certainly does. <laughs> yeah. To his core.
0: Now, we did we did just see Lenny leave a diner. And of course, we're going backwards. So now we're seeing him arrive at the diner. Yes, indeed. And uh, we see an to image a woman, of Natalie.
1: That's it. A woman we've never seen before. And I love, this. Is, this is, you know, up until this point, Everything has obviously been disorienting, but considering. But oh, we're starting our...
0: to form an opinion.
1: Right. But also, I mean, like our very first shot of the movie is a dead Teddy. And in the next scene we see Teddy in person. So you're like, oh well, okay, that that's our entry point. This, you know, Leonard killed him and now we're gonna start to meet him, you know, going in reverse while he's still alive and understand who this is. I love that this character introduction is at the end of the movie. So we're in, we're being introduced to Natalie with, a, and she already has had a lot of interactions with Lenny. But we, as the audience, just like Lenny, are seeing her for the very first time. And I'm like, I, I have no fucking idea who this Same person is. Same as Teddy, what they, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, that's true. It's like we we clearly they have interacted, but <laughs> we don't know because because we have this memory issue, which is what makes the movie so goddamn good.
1: Exactly. I love how, you know, he keeps walking and you can tell she's, everybody, There's they're, it's kind of dickish, but you got to imagine that people always, at the end of the day, have a this little bit of, bullshit. is he Is he really not going to remember me? He, he fucked that, me. He fucked me and he's still not going to remember me. And he just starts yeah, walking by did. and she kind of leans out like, come here, idiot. Like fucking yank you down. Sit down. I'm Natalie.
0: Also, 2000 Carrie Ann Moss, all-timer. Uh, so, mm, mm. all
1: All-timer. Absolutely.
0: but um fearing another bad review of the dreadmill gaze let's move on
1: <laughs> hey i'm gonna be fucking sexually objectifying guy pierce just as much by the way all these shots with them fucking tattoos i mean those tattoos are scary as shit if you're a woman you're like he, you get into his room and, and he takes off his fucking shirt and it's whoa some guy raped and murdered your wife you're gonna find him and kill him huh i'm having second thoughts <laughs>
0: what a weird thing to be reading while he's fucking you she is gone i'm gonna kill a guy drug dealer look uh, at the fuck oh
1: fuck yeah so yeah. weird
0: she's that's probably like guys. i wish i just for a minute had that memory issue so i could <laughs> just sort of enjoy and live in the moment here live in the moment um, but i
1: mean with guy pierce's face in that body you're kind of like eh eh fuck it <laughs> you got some creepy tattoos but eh
0: yeah i like to live on the wild side a little there you go i love that it doesn't remember me that's fun for me too Boy, talk about no strings attached. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Every booty call a new thing, booty too, is She
0: can be like, she can ask for some weird shit.
1: Exactly. Because she knows
0: she's, she even, even if he judges her in the moment, you know, 15 minutes later, she goes after the car comes back in and she's like, all right, let's, let's do it this way instead. <laughs> but 15 minutes before, you know, you're trying to get me to put on an elephant mask and, uh, you know, put a pipe in your ass. So things have changed. <laughs> <laughs> that was a no go, but uh, you know, uh, I'm willing to experiment. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> anyway, you gotta try. got you. Got you. Got to give it a shot. You got to take advantage. You got to make the memory loss work for you. I guess turn <laughs> your disadvantage into an advantage. This is sorry Sun about the bruises, Lenny. But <laughs> <laughs> sorry about the bruises,
1: Linny. I got to give it the old college try. Come on,
0: Sun Tzu's art of uh, amnesia. Uh, weirdo, sexy time. I think you, that was one of the chapters in that book. Right after exposing an enemy's flank was how to properly you know, how to properly bed down somebody with amnesia. Ancient Chinese. Yeah, so they don't proverb. tell you about Senzu. He was a freak. <laughs> yes. So anyway, uh, we go back to color, and we're introduced to Natalie. and uh, basically this whole thing. Watching Carrie Moss here is awesome because her expression is like everyone else's, which is. This is crazy.
1: A little bit of skepticism, a little bit of honestly, like at this yes. point with how much interaction she's had, like annoyance. Yes, like, God, really.
0: The way she Fuck plays with the don't. silverware, I like that. Yeah, the, there's yeah. an uncomfortability there. She's like, there's a tick, and then there's also that. Remember her. Remember her motivation too. So Absolutely. there's a little
1: nervousness here
0: because of what if he does remember? You're fucked.
1: <laughs> it's true, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And also, I mean, it, it's kind of jumps ahead of where we are right now in the movie, but plot wise, like her introduction to Lenny is this guy rolls up in your boyfriend's car wearing his fucking clothes yes. and acting like, Hey, are you Natalie? That's some intimidating shit. Obviously right. Lenny doesn't know it. Like he's not trying to, but you're thinking the worst. Mm-hmm. Obviously. 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 Yep. So that's a scary fucking douche. <laughs> right. For sure.
0: And um, I like that he has her take the glasses off because he can read her better. And I like that he talks about how he's developed that skill. Now we know his profession was sort of insurance investigation, so to speak. So he already has uh, uh, honed a bullshit meter. But now even more, he has to be able to read people better. And that's a recurring thing in this movie that I love.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you got to imagine with how how focused he must be on that because that's something you know we haven't talked a ton about and obviously and in truth we're not psychologists fucking drink so we can't talk super deeply about it but um grade amnesia one of the interesting things about it is that procedural memory uh mostly still persists we're like like you could still teach somebody with this same exact disorder if they never knew how to tie their shoes you could still teach them how to tie their shoes and if they are practicing it like physically doing it you will learn that like you, you will remember that process because that activates other parts of the memory you know stations of your brain and mm-hmm. uses them in a different way uh, kind of elides the problem of you know, whatever part of your brain can 't make new short term memories so i got to imagine with how. Often, in a sense, he's practicing reading people, practicing reading eyes, and taking like very close note of their face and their body language. That he's gotten better at that. That he he has like an almost like an instinctual level still honed that skill. I like it. Makes
0: sense. And that's we get into that a little more explicitly later with the electrified objects test on on uh, oh, Sammy. yeah. old Sammy Jenkins. I like how she's just like a zouch a little note as like you said. There's an, uh, there's almost an annoyance there, right? Because listen, let's be real. We know how broads are. (laughs) The fact that you don't... Fuck them. First of all, if you don't remember to get the mail, they get pissed off. Let alone if you don't remember them entirely. (laughs) Remember them? Ooh, that is a slap to the face. Ooh, forget it. That is unforgivable. I don't care about your retarded brains. You
1: should remember. You should remember my beautiful puss.
0: (laughs) Sorry, lady. I don't remember.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I'm just Guy Pierce. I got this piercing gaze, and I just don't remember
0: you at all. Heaven forbid I forget the fucking tomatoes. Let alone your face. Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, he paused for remembering, of course, and he starts picking up on the clues that she's frustrated. I like that. Um, John, John, She gives him the packet that we know contains John Edward Gamble's information. Um, she asks uh, him if if he's sure he wants the information, and this gets into a really interesting philosophical question. Even yeah. if you get revenge, Matthew... You're not going to remember it. You're not even going to know what it, know that it happened. And right. He says, "My wife deserves vengeance." Doesn't make any difference whether I know about it or not. Just because there are things I don't remember doesn't make my actions meaningless. The world doesn't just disappear because you close your eyes. Anyway, maybe I'll take another photograph to remind myself or get a freaky tattoo. Because she said freaky tattoos, which I like that he picked up on and then said back to her because he could sense something in that. Like,
1: Yeah, that disdain of like, Mm -hmm. oh yeah, me and my fucking tattoos. Mm -hmm. I know. But dude, in a way, I mean, obviously, I think even the best philosopher alive would have a hard time mounting a moral case for vengeance. That said, I think in a real sense, Lenny has he's pursuing vengeance the most morally pure way. It depends on the philosopher that. too, right? Oh, for sure. For sure. And like, and I mean, there's a, this is a fucking Pandora's box that could be delved in for weeks. But at the same time, I think it's interesting, the idea that he is very aware and in a way at peace of, I will not remember getting vengeance, but the vengeance is not for me. Mm-hmm. It is for my wife. It is for her sake that I want this person out of the world. Uh, and that's, I mean, that's crazy that I mean, there, there's no other vengeance where I can think of there. It is all for like, I want vengeance. I want it for myself. You know, if it's like their loved one got killed, I want to take the, I want to be the one to kill them. They're mine. Like there's all this possessiveness over the kill and the act and I'm getting my vengeance finally. And where he's already just like, I know I won't remember it. it it's not for me. It, it will never satisfy me, but knowing that it has been done is enough. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, that's fucking interesting.
0: And I see, th- yeah, it is very interesting. And I think we can all kind of wrap our heads around the desire for revenge in this case. But what we don't know this point as a movie watcher is we don't know why it's required. What happened with the police? This is a question that's going to have to be answered. Why well, vengeance slash justice, call it what you will. Why was justice or vengeance not served? What, what happened? And that's something we're going to have to understand, right? It's a modern thing. We're not talking about the old West. I mean, we've got to figure out what would happen. (laughs) Clearly there was a crime committed and um, we need to know why. And I like this. I like what, what, what it does here is it teases the fact that we're we're so preoccupied with that question. What difference does it make? Because you're not going to know either way. Mm -hmm. That's an interesting thought, but also, what's kind of smuggled into that which we miss is and how will you know you got it
1: exactly and that's That's what comes
0: up later in the movie but at this point in the movie unless you're and and i didn't and i don't think any most people probably didn't think this at the time because they're too too busy trying to keep the plot together i don't you you don't have a lot of time to sort of philosophically let your mind wander as you're trying to pay attention but Mm -hmm. on on rewatches you start to go yeah and and how do you even know if you got it yeah. How, How do you, you satiate that? Like, you, you know, something bad happened, and you, f- in, in you forever feel sort of in perpetuity that you have to do this thing. How will you even, will, will, what evidence would you believe? Right. right? What that will you make you stop? What will make you stop? Exactly. Yes. Um, but the question becomes much more muddled in the reality of our guy here, which, of course, is the end of the movie, which is the, this idea that without it, he has really no purpose. Right. And if you can't have any memories beyond 15 minutes and you're just living in the past, I mean, you're really, you're, you're, you're almost becoming a non-person, much like the Sammy Jenkins in the black and whites. So to have this drive is very important. And, and that's one of the central interesting points of the movie.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I can't, I cannot wait to talk about that towards uh, the end and yeah. like him. Th- there's a lot a, of,
0: oh, sorry, go ahead.
1: What I was going to say like his like personhood, like being a human being at all. Like what does it mean? In the, in his case, well, the, the the great question,
0: the great question of philosophy, is the idea of identity, and that's that's totally. a lot of what is is flirted with in this. Like, is it is it a string of conscious collections that you can recall? Is it does he? What exactly is Lenny? Right. I mean, is he frozen in time? Is he? Is he? It's really interesting because of. Christopher Nolan's propensity to play with time—I mean, just watch Interstellar. Watch any number of his movies. Watch Interstellar. Is that what? What happens if you become locked in time? What? What? What occurs? Are you? Are you still a person? Do you still have an identity? Are you? How do you know who you are if you've had this condition for three years? Mm-hmm. It gets what really are you wild? What are you?
1: That's oil. I mean, that's again like. There's so much at play here, but I think that's the one of the most interesting questions about this movie. It's how much does absolutely terrifying, but like how much does your memory, just your ability to recollect your past, in give you an identity at all? Like in Mm. a lot of ways, it kind of brings up the point that like your whole identity does rest on your past and being able to remember it. In the second, you just if you completely had retrograde amnesia and forgot your entire past, I mean that fucks up everything like you literally are like who am i
0: right but that but then you can but then you become
1: a new person but you can exactly you can invent right? a new person. You, you
0: have what you would call a, a sort of a a collection of consciousness basically right right on your personal identity you start going okay i have this continuity of of consciousness that strings together throughout time and regardless of what may or may not be physically real of how I interact with the world, this is what's in my own brain. This is what's leading to my personal identity. If you had your memory wiped, in three years, you would be developing a person. You would be some kind of person. And that's where it gets really, really cool, man. But uh, cool. John Locke did a lot of this shit, right? Mm-hmm. The idea of the psychological continuity of, of your mind is basically yourself.
1: <laughs> right, And when you right. start
0: taking that away, it gets really weird. It's Oof. cool shit, man.
1: And also, just existentially, it's so terrifying to remember that a physical event can change your identity. Like, not just like, oh, like traumas and 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 lifelong experience starts to sh- shape you and change you. No, like somebody knocks you hard enough in the head, you're a different fucking person now. Whoa, that's scary to remember how fucking fragile you are. Yeah, <laughs> that, yeah. like if I fall down at the wrong angle, I might be a different person and forget everyone I love. Whoops. That's- that's a thing, you know,
0: that's, I know Joe Rogan's talked about this a lot, but Sam Kinison, great comedian. Oh yeah, yeah. About the motorcycle accident and how he totally changed. Like he got that's smashed awesome. on the head and became the crazy man he is. And um, he was like a preacher or some shit. He was like a yeah, Pentecostal a preacher. preacher. Yeah, he was
1: hellfire preacher. Right.
0: And then all of a sudden he is one of, in, a, in, in over a short span, it's tough to say one of the greatest of all time, but over... You know, few guys had those few years that were incredible, right? Oh, yeah. And uh, you think about that, people getting, falling, you know, falling off a building, smashing their head, and, and they, they can play a fucking Mozart sonatas, or they can speak French. It's like, what the fuck? What is that? <laughs> That's insane to me. But identity is really, it's really slippery. Again, as you said, that's an entire, that's an entire philosophical discussion. Oh, the yeah. idea of who you are as a person. What is personal identity? Is it a collection of consciousness that you can recall? What does it mean if it's wiped out and you start over again? There's a lot of questions to be asked here uh, that go beyond the ambit of, of this podcast today. But oh, interesting indeed. thoughts nonetheless.
1: I do love this moment too when uh, when she asks him, what do you remember of your wife? And he starts to, ah, oh, she was perfect to me. she goes, no, like don't recite words Indeed. that you've said a million times because she obviously has interacted with him enough now to know that that's what he falls back on. He falls back on essentially scripts That he knows that I have this memorized and this is how I can answer these questions easily, succinctly. And she's like, just remember her. Like, actually close your eyes and think about her. And it's unlike any other part of the movie because a lot of times we see him recite these little scripted answers he has to questions. But in this moment, he is just reminiscing and thinking and and having the images of his wife roll through his mind and not the images of her being murdered or the images of her under that sheet or anything. Just her, like, actually Mm -hmm. thinking about her again, because you gotta, you gotta think that he doesn't indulge in that very often. He sure. is so focused on this whole I have to avenge my wife's death and her murder that I don't just reminisce about her as a person and what our life before that was like very much, which is a whole other layer of fucking tragedy in this. Yeah, it, it's funny because
0: when they use the Sammy Jenkins uh, example, you would imagine that the average bear would probably fall into the Sammy Jenkins sort of totally. Thing. And he and just that's couldn't help and, it. yeah, you could it it'd be really hard not to, man. Um, yeah. you, you you would you would it would be real it would take a a a tower of will to not collapse
1: into just sitting there.
0: Yeah, everything yeah. me mean, is I'd, going. Where am I? Where am I? Where? I mean, that is a special kind of hell.
1: Oh god, and I mean that's the thing. Like that's why, even though obviously, as we see over the course of the movie, his uh, you know Lenny's life right now is a very you know manipulated one, and he's he's trapped by a lot of circumstances that he can't control, and he doesn't really see the full picture. But just to see the how far he can go, just being able to remember where his fucking hotel is and make sure he gets back to it, all these things like that is a. just uh, the effort of that is is mind boggling. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the other thing, it's very easy to forget on your first couple of watches of this movie, but you gotta always remember that when he forgets and has to, and, and, you know, once the, his current memories fade, it's not just "Hmm, where am I? Where is this room?" It's he's literally picking right back up from the night his fucking wife was killed. He's having to remind himself every fifteen minutes. Oh, I'm not in my house. My wife is dead. And, and I'm somewhere else, and now we have to start. Like, you're picking up from that moment every 15 minutes. That's mm-hmm. fucking crazy. Yeah. Uh, and to be able to still navigate the world without just, like, crumbling into a screaming ball of, like, I don't fucking know what's going on or who I am or where I am is is amazing.
0: Absolutely. And two very important things about this scene. Number one, um, the obvious thing on, on an initial watch is that this is a piece of kindness from Natalie.
1: Yeah. It is
0: to, to to sort of coach him into this memory is is a kind thing she's doing for him, right?
1: It is. That's another thing I love about Natalie and Teddy that they are not villainous or heroes. They are they mm-hmm. have their own motivations that overrule pretty much anything they they think of with Lenny, but at the same time they're not just total monsters. They're not trying to to ruin him.
0: Yeah. And and she, you know, we don't know what Natalie's thinking here and we and I appreciate that, but there's a, she's taken with sort of this poetic remembrance he's having here, right? This, this, right. uh, she sort of just sort of lost in the thought with him, ma- imagining it. And, uh, yeah, she reminds Lenny she wasn't helping him for money. She gives him a room key that says, you know, he left at her place, which of course indicates a, a clear intimacy. If you have a key to a woman's home, right? <laughs> and, uh, she says, we're both survivors. She leaves and he goes to the bathroom and washes his hands. And of course the Sammy Jenkins moment on the hand. So we're going backwards again, of course. Indeed. The other thing I like about this moment is, it's crazy to think what's so fucked up about this movie, and they're talking about it a little bit in the chat, is that he doesn't know his wife survived because his memory loss starts from the moment where he sees her thinking she's dead under that shower curtain. Right. When she catches her breath, it's too late. He's not going to remember. And at that point, it's too early in his life To know how to take notes, because he has no idea what his issue is. Right. It just happened to him. Just happened to him. It's pretty crazy. Black and white, Lane talks about reading uh, people and how important it is. I like that. And uh, he talks about Sammy being his first real challenge. So now the movie's thinking that we're going to get some information about Lenny. And then we go right back to color with Teddy and Lenny getting lunch.
1: Again, Lenny, thought you left town. Lenny, (laughs) Uh, again, once you remember the the car, I love it. (laughs) Just jumps up on there, (laughs) and like once you remember that his character, he is always every time every time a scene starts with him entering it, he's like, hey. Why the fuck are you still here? <laughs> yes, <laughs> like that's always yes. his concern. Like, aren't you need to be laying low and away from this place? That's uh, he's very nice about it, very familiar that, and chummy. But it's a, that's it's always a great observation.
0: It's a great observation because that's that's the beauty of a rewatch is you kind of can put yourself in the character's headspace because you know what he knows now. We're on our initial watch, you don't. And that's exactly, the tone is exactly that. Lenny,
1: what the (laughs) fuck, buddy?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Why are you still here?
1: (laughs) Hey, that crazy guy I manipulate to kill people. Why are you still out in the open, man? What's up? Lenny, what the
0: fuck are you doing here, (laughs) pal? Through (laughs) gritted teeth, Lenny. Can
1: you not be driving that guy's car you killed for me,
0: please?
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's so fucking
0: funny. Oh, shit. So, um, <laughs> Teddy tells Lenny he's sick of hearing about Sammy Jankus. Uh, Teddy asks Lenny about John G. And that's when Teddy warns him that someone may be trying to get him to kill the wrong guy. And Teddy mm-hmm. says that this is what, what, you know, this is what Lenny had told him. And Lenny says he goes on facts, not recommendations. And this gets into the... Lenny, you can't trust a man's life to your little notes and pictures. Which sounds demeaning, but it's kind of
1: true. It's uh, yeah, exactly, dude. That's what I love about this scene. They're both right. They're mm-hmm. both right. They're both one hundred percent right. They're just they're they're coming at it at different angles, and that's another dude. Another great. That's
0: why both are so important. Exactly, that they're not and, and mutually that's why exclusive. I, I think
1: another. Another great thing highlighted by this movie is that a simply a collection of facts does not the truth make. Like yeah, you have a a picture of a car and you have a picture of this guy's name and you have a you know, a picture of the house that they lived at where something happened. That doesn't just those three things. If you only have those outside of their context, you can't really build some 100% reliable narrative out of that. It's right. like, all right, well, here's three facts. But what does that fucking mean? Just because right. it's a fact doesn't, doesn't, a fact doesn't have meaning in and of itself. Also,
0: like, not necessarily a fact, is it? It's just, exactly, it's just information. It's just evidence. And that's, that's a very important distinction you'll see in law, right? The difference between facts and evidence. And that's mm-hmm. one of the things I love. Evidence is often presented as fact, but it can't necessarily be, especially eyewitness testimony. Right? If if uh, if a woman says, and, and we've talked about this before, but if but if a woman says my attacker was six foot five, and or or, or, <laughs> or if a woman says the man who robbed the store was six five, and another guy says no, no, he was five ten. Well, right. That's evidence, but one is a fact and one isn't, and maybe neither is.
1: Yeah. All so there's a very clear th- distinction
0: were- between evidence and fact.
1: Right, right. That's one of the things. like, you can say they're taller than you. That's about the only thing you can say with certainty. Like, Correct. You can't just, you can't just nail down a fact off of yeah. that.
0: It's tough to say. Facts are, it's a, it's a, you have a picture of a guy and you have something written on the back. That's information. That's not, that's not a fact necessarily. Right. I mean, you know, his name's Teddy. He says it is, but you don't know that either. <laughs> exactly. Right. This, facts is a very elusive term. The truth with a capital T is right. an elusive term, so. Uh, Not to get too existential with that whole fucking thing, but <laughs>
1: just dude, there are so many. This movie is such a simple plot, but it has doorways to just endless existential rabbit holes. Where you are like, oh god, you could fall down into just it's philosophical oblivion, falling down all the doors this thing throws open.
0: Yep, absolutely. But yeah, I believe cops don't catch bad don't don't catch bad guys. Cops don't catch guys by guys remembering stuff. They collect facts. They write notes. They draw conclusions. That's a really good line. Cops, yeah. cops don't catch guys by guys remembering stuff. Of course not. Mm-hmm. Memories can change the shape of a room. They can change the shape of a car.
1: That's awesome too. Yeah, that's he's one hundred percent correct. Right. Eyewitness testimony is notoriously unreliable. And I think that's I,
0: the very, very important distinction. We're talking eyewitness testimony. That's something a little bit different, right? That's that's right. what he's alluding to. What we just spent time talking about, but. Anyway, he says uh memory's pretty irrelevant if you if you have facts. And right. uh and that's the that's that could be the distinction Teddy's failing uh Lenny's failing to make, which is notes and pictures are not facts, but you you seem to think they are. Right. And you right. got cuckoo, and I think- and you got Google brains. So <laughs> you probably, got don't silly kill, probably don't kill people with your cuckoo brains
1: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah and, and that's another like fallacy that in a way you kind of start to see Lenny falling for we talked about course, it a little bit earlier course. where he starts to just he, tr- he gives notes and tangible things that he can hold a lot more meaning because they're concrete and he doesn't have to interpret them like he does people but that's that's still not any more inherently truthful like just okay you have a note and a picture but that doesn't mean that that's correct yeah you can hold it in your hand you can always reference it that feels more safe because it's always there and mm-hmm. it's unchanging once you have it but that doesn't mean it's the truth or accurate who knows i mean like fuck somebody could have could have coaxed them into writing something while they got him drunk and and now you have this picture and you think well i must i that's my handwriting yes so that's that and what we're
0: doing right now is we're we're we're, we're just we're, we're discussing the facts. This is a very interesting podcast, very meta, because all we're doing is we're sort of recounting the data. What's, in, what's kind of interesting to do for a minute is let's just try to think as he thinks based on what we know as the plot of the movie, which is if we're to believe that one of the central themes put forth in this movie is this idea of conditioning, then because he's been on this quest for vengeance for so long, it's very possible that these neural pathways are dug into his head to be yeah. bent on vengeance that he doesn't think about consciously but tends towards in his everyday. So he might be really putting more stock into these so-called facts because of this underlying instinctive feeling he's getting that he's only getting because of the conditioning to get revenge, right? Right. I know that's right. a mouthful, but I think you guys get what I'm
1: saying. I agree. Yeah. I mean, I mean that's that's essentially the path of life he's just set out for himself and it's kind of like it's almost like um Oh, why am I fucking forgetting the word? But like, essentially, like confirmation bias, where he's like, everything that seems to fit, I'm more open to allowing it to fit because that seems like it should. Right.
0: And it only seems like he should because he's conditioned his brain. It's like, it's like muscle memory for vengeance, which is fascinating
1: to think about. (laughs) Matthew Lewis in the chat. I'm horrified that made sense, Dean.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, um, I got to get my chat up. So Lenny gets back—oh, I'm sorry. How do we wrap this up? Teddy seems concerned. That's another good thing that Joey Pants is good at. His face is concerned.
1: Yeah. We don't he say, trust I mean, him
0: because of the, quote—this <laughs> is another great thing about this movie. We don't trust Teddy because of the so-called facts, but our instinct says he kind of feels for this guy. So where does this go wrong?
1: Yeah, man. Dude, that is—that's a massive question in this story yeah. because I, I love how focused—and I think it's the right choice— how focused it is on Leonard and even Nolan himself says the color sections of the movie in particular are very, very subjective and are Leonard's point of view. of them. Absolutely. And that's why, why everybody else seems totally kind of sidelined, you know, they're, they're involved, they're in it, but we really don't know much about them outside of the things they say directly to Lenny. Um, but I think there is a very interesting backstory to Teddy and his relationship to Lenny there. Yeah. Because he, again, like we kind of see the same thing he has with Natalie of like, We've already we already as the audience know you blow Teddy's brains out and you think he's John G and there must be some kind of treachery going on but we see some genuine warmth from Teddy in this moment where Absolutely. Like, you still are really wanting to get this guy, huh? And he's like, yeah, well, he took away my you know, my wife, took away my fucking memory, took away my ability to live. And he actually reaches his hand out and checks his pulse on his neck and he goes, you're living, and pats him on the back with like yes. a real sincere look on his face of, fuck, I'm sorry for you, man. I'm, I hate that you fucking can't feel satisfied, that you can't yeah. know it's done. In a true look of concern the second before. Yeah, 100%. Yep. that's what uh, makes this character just fascinating like he's not a monster
0: this is where he realizes he's been getting fleeced for two rooms and um, <laughs> I like how Bert by the end of this is like always oh, get a receipt dude
1: <laughs> I love yeah he admits <laughs> like I'm fucking you over yeah <laughs> dude you gotta get a receipt don't let dudes like me fuck you over like, So good. <laughs> he tells him that he is fucking him over but gives him advice on how to not be fucked over again
0: we learn he's supposed to be at the city grill for 1pm of course we know why because he's going to meet Natalie um, we go back to black and white, and uh, we start to learn a little bit more about the Sammy Jenkins
1: character. Oh, boy. Also, Stephen Tobolowski. He's cool. fucking great, dude. Love him. He's so He's good so in Californication. Ooh, I still
0: need to watch that. <sighs> He's hilarious in that movie, dude. He's fucking really good, man. But um, he was in, uh, Lenny was an insurance uh, investigator. Sammy can't work. They're trying to get money. Minor car accident, couldn't form new memories. Couldn't follow the plot of Green Acres, but liked commercials. Anterior grade amnesia. Sammy could do complex things, things from prior to the accident, of course. And they notes that every time he sees, this is so awesome. Every time he sees Sammy, he catches a look, a slight moment of recognition, but he says he doesn't remember me at all. I can read people and I'm thinking Sammy is a bad actor. He's suspicious. Mm-hmm. And I love that. And I love the way that comes up at the end of this movie. And it's super important because of the way we watch Guy Pierce the whole movie which is a a bit of recognition there, but because he doesn't want to be a goddamn freak, which is is the tragedy of the whole movie
1: for the Sammy Jenkins character. For one, one thing that's easy to forget watching this movie is how not that unusual that situation is. We all have that situation in life where you bump into somebody at the grocery store and they're like, oh, hey, Matthew. And I'm like, oh, shit. I don't fucking, I don't remember you. I don't know who you are. And I'm like, Oh hey bud. <laughs> hey, how's it going? Like because we all can recognize the expectation of memory, like when somebody looks at you with a mm-hmm. smile and looks you right in the eye, they recognize you and you're supposed to recognize them and you don't. I mean, unless I'm the only fucking person who's ever experienced that. Uh but yeah, like that moment and we do that. We play into the role of you're expecting me to recognize you, so I will. I will pretend that I recognize you.
0: I haven't seen you since you were this tall. Do you know who I am? I'm your I mommy's sure. close friend. We used to play bridge together. Oh yeah, right. I just talk to somebody who doesn't speak your language. They'll just smile like, okay, yeah. <laughs> you do, exactly. Not, you know, it's not because they're uh, fucking pretending. They're just trying to be no. polite.
1: Right. Right. And that's that's again another perfect fucking example of fact versus truth in a sense because in a in a in one way Leonard was right. He he was able to sniff out that little look of recognition that was there and maybe other people didn't notice it, but he did. But the truth of that fact is that he was pretending. He was putting on that recognition on purpose. He wasn't faking his whole condition, he was faking the recognition. <laughs> yes. And it's like that, and he only realizes that once uh, he gets mush brains.
0: Yep. So so we, our boy wakes up in Natalie's room, right? Uh, ooh, good night. And, uh, she notes his tattoos, calls them pretty weird. He calls it useful. Uh, she says that they should be able to talk to their to her friend today about the license plate, John G's license plate. You have it tattooed on your thigh, she reminds him. Uh, she steps away and pulls out her picture and uh, reads it. He pulls her picture out and reads it back because he's not remembering who she is. But he doesn't yeah, freak out because now he's getting used to it. Again, this is this is the part of the movie that's interesting because you start to become accustomed to the oddities of your life. And this is one way right. he doesn't wake up and freak out.
1: And right. honestly, when you think about it, that's a pretty big Seriously. clue to the – to the fact that that Leonard is pretty far removed from the death of his wife and has been doing this for a long time mm-hmm. because he isn't just freaking Like, ah, where am I? <laughs> like, fuck it. I mean, you got to imagine week one is a whole lot of fucking like hard, heart-pounding waking up out of bed like, oh, shit, where am I? What's going on? But uh, he's, he's got that pretty
0: under control. Yeah, absolutely. There's a moment, I don't remember which, when in the black and white scene he wakes up in the room and he whacks his elbow into the wall. And that is the most, one of the most subtle and realistic things ever. Oh, totally. Everybody's woken up in a spot where they forgot and they're like, well, fuck, I'm here. And you, and you, it's like (laughs) odd, you know, you're like, well, there's a wall here in my bed at home. There's not a wall here. And that's just a a great moment in this movie. It's just tiny little thing. Totally. Totally. But um, yeah, we learned she helped him because he helped her. And Lenny asked for a meeting in person with this guy because he doesn't do well on the phone. That's another repeated motif. She asks Lenny if he will remember her next time they see each other. He says no, and she thinks he will. I like that. Uh, He leaves, and Teddy stops him. Yo, Lenny, I thought you split (laughs) for good. What the fuck are you doing here, Lenny? (laughs) Uh, uh,
1: Come on, Lenny. (laughs) Beat it, pal. Uh, So I like that. in the black and white section that follows that, we get the, the tests with Sammy Jenkins, where they're yes. they doing the, con- the memory conditioning tests, where they give him the same exact test and the same exact layout of, of several metal shapes, you know, a little sphere, a little triangle, a rectangle, and they're all in the same positions every time, and the same shape is electrified every time. And he is told to pick up any three objects, and at some point he always picks up the electrified object every yes. single time. Yes. Uh, you know, as he talks about them. They did it dozens of times, and he still ends up picking up the electrified one and being surprised.
0: Yep. We don't know why that's important yet, but that's going to come back. So back to Natalie. Who the fuck is Dodd? Lenny shows him a picture of Dodd. She says Lenny offered to help her with him because of what he did to her face. Oh,
1: I see. Yeah, so she that's, beat him that's up. That's an Im- right, and we see that even in the diner. She's got a split lip yes. and a bit of a black eye. You're like, wow, fuck, she has been attacked.
0: Yes. And uh, Lenny finds it's difficult to believe that he just take her word for it. That is awesome. I love it. Because yeah. we know Lenny. He doesn't just take people's word for it. He deals in facts. This is a mm. challenge for him. And you can feel him instinctively rebelling against this, but he wants to trust her. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's just the thing. She says, trust his, she, and she, I like how she turns it on him. She says, trust yourself. Uh, he says that there are only certain things you can know for sure. And right. she's, she, so she's gone and the present is trivia, which I scribble down as fucking notes. Uh, she tries to calm him down as he sort of has a little bit of a meltdown regarding, you know, what I can feel, picking up the ashtray and all that shit. And that's what gets into the tattoos, the backwards tattoo and the John G. Rape My Wife tattoo. Yeah. oh uh, what a fucking moment. And that's when she says she lost someone too, Jimmy, went, went somewhere and never came
1: back. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, sorry. Pretty pretty recent, by the way. That yeah. was... a. Uh- I feel like you've moved on pretty yeah, well, Carrie Ann Moss. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's like, well, I got this fucking stud with the tattoos. We, I, we, know, well, I, I mean, right?
0: we also know that that was, was as much as a business arrangement as anything, right? I mean, I'm not it saying she's true. a whore. H- oh, a <laughs> whore. A dirty hewer. <laughs> just saying. But uh, anyway, uh, some guy named Teddy, was he was going to meet, which we know is true because we know that he, right? There was the amphetamine deal. But we also know Teddy was doing that for our guy here. So anyway, before we get to that, she asks what he'll do when he finds Sean Jean. He says, I'm going to kill him. And she says, maybe I can help you. And a little bit of time passes. How am I supposed to heal if I can't feel time? Boy, that's a good
1: line. Such a fucking great line. I mean, it's the perfect opposite of time heals all wounds. (laughs) Like, if you can't feel the passage of time, the wound is always fresh.
0: But it begs the question does he eventually condition condition himself out of it over time? Like, does he, does he, does in 10 years, does he start to be like, it feels less, and I don't know why, but the feelings has become muted. Mm.
1: I don't know. You know, I I do think that's a good question, and I, and I could imagine that he would, I, I, honestly, I feel like that would add to his confusion, though, of being like, so I right. have this this kernel of a feeling in there that is, guilty and sad and angry and i know less of why (laughs) like i I don't i don't understand it as well sure which almost would just uh you feel even weirder
0: and that's when he takes a note of natalie she lost someone she'll help you out of pity interesting he uses the word pity not compassion not it's funny he almost has an instinctive feeling about their relationship pity Mm -hmm. is an interesting word
1: it is. And it it's a it's a, a more of a, a lens into how he thinks other people see him. That now nah, they, they they pity me. <laughs> like not they're they're not really looking to help me out of some great moral, you know, obligation. They just, they pity me. They feel bad for me. Yep. He feels that way about himself.
0: Yep. Absolutely. And that's when um he sees the picture of Jimmy and her, which is gonna be a great clue for us later. And that's oh, yeah. when he makes the note um for her. And, um, dude,
1: this, this next scene where he's just talking, uh, you know, she's asleep and he's just kind of speaking out loud <laughs> and in bed at night. Fucking Christ, it is brutal. Like, this is that moment again where I was like, oh God, I forgot how sad this would be. <laughs> and, like, I, I lean over in bed and it's like she just stepped out to the bathroom or something. Like, she was, like, she's still right there. Like, she's going to come walking around the corner. Like, oh, to always feel that way about somebody who's gone. Jesus. Right.
0: So in the black and white, we get back to the testing of Sammy and we learn that uh, he didn't respond at all and that this suggests his condition was physical, uh, was uh, psychological, not physical, because mm-hmm. he should have started to pick up instinctively on don't touch the triangle one because it zaps you every time and it has for weeks. Right. Thus, right. his claim was turned down. Thus, because because he's not, a mental illness is not something that uh, covers him and that's what this is. Uh,
1: Good old insurance companies. Yeah, God bless them. They him. find a way to fuck you no matter Absolutely. what.
0: Absolutely. Wife gets stuck with the bill. He gets a promotion. And uh, he says, I live the way Sammy couldn't. Habit and routine make my life possible. He makes that very clear. And in a moment, we go right back to color. And uh, I like this, man. We get the, the flash of the wife, the flash of the head hitting, the flash of the bath salts. And then he wakes up. Where am I? Oh, yeah. Every time. That's where he hit. That this is where he hits his elbow. It's not in a black and white. It's in a color scene.
1: Yeah, (laughs) this is such a great. Like this is maybe the best scene as far as showing the confusion, the anxious fucking confusion of being this kind of person. Where he goes over, cracks open the closet, and there's just a dude with duct tape over his mouth and blood all over his face (laughs) in there, and you're like, oh shit, I have a situation on my hands, and I have no idea how I got here. Yep.
0: Teddy knocks on the door. And I love when he's like, uh, this is, this is just, again, Joey, excuse me, uh, Teddy doesn't have the demeanor of a guy out to get Lenny at all. The way he comes in and just sort of plops down on the chair in a friendly, familiar way. You don't, he doesn't feel untrustworthy. That's one of the, that's one of the uh, great achievements of this movie with, with him.
1: Yeah. His performance. It's, just, it's so He just uh, feels like times. a guy trying to help him yeah. out, you know. They they feel like it feels like they are old friends. He's just the only one who remembers that they're old friends. So like, yeah, what's up, man? How's it going? Yeah. down on your chair. But dude, what a dude, moment. I'm Where not gonna fucking?
0: help you kill that guy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> that huh? that's
0: an important part of the script because in the plot it tells us that we we already know he th- th- so what we don't know, and this is a beautiful rewatch, is That he's already gone through this so many times with him. And he's like, listen, he he, right up front, not going to help you kill that guy.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Because we know he's had this
0: conversation before.
1: Oh, hell yeah. And my favorite moment too is when he like sits up from the chair, runs over there in such a way that he stays kind of to the side of the door and shuts it so the guy can't see him. He's like, who the fuck is that? Like, (laughs) don't let this guy see me. (laughs) Shit. Always getting in trouble because of your ass. Lenny goes through the picture and, uh, you
0: know, it's, it's Dodd and it says, get rid of him, ask Natalie. And, um, Teddy asks who it is and Lenny's, you know, asks, oh no, T- Teddy says, who's Natalie and Lenny asks why? And Teddy says, I might know her. And that's when mm-hmm. Teddy starts making a plan, take Dodd to his car, tell him to leave town or he dies. Right. Cause now, cause now you put yourself in, in Teddy's shoes. This guy can't die. But he can't stay here, and we need to sort of absolve ourselves of it. The- we need to wash our hands of this situation. <laughs> so, what are we right. going to do? We got to think on our feet here. Mm. <laughs> Fuck. Yep. And they do, right? They, they drive him off, and, um, and uh, they let him out, and they, they drive away. Teddy follows him, and then he gets in, uh, Lenny gets in Teddy's
1: car. And um. and dude, this is uh, what a what a great thing here because it's running into like it's got to be difficult for Teddy to be doing what he's doing here because he has to remember what not to say around fucking Lenny because he's like, yeah, you should have stolen his car, like you know, you should not be driving this Jag, and he's kind of like, why does that matter? And He's like, well, you know, it's a good car. (laughs) Like, I can't really elaborate on why you should steal his car. That would because of the guy you killed. (laughs) <laughs> 'Cause that guy had you fucking whack. Lenny. <laughs>
0: so uh Lenny anyway, whack
1: a guy.
0: He gets dropped off uh, he gets dropped off, right? At the He goes to Natalie's house.
1: He Who does. the fuck is Dodd?
0: That's right. Back to Black and White, Sammy's wife was crippled by the financial strain. Lenny makes it clear that he never said Sammy was faking. And I like this piece of guilt here, right? He says it a couple of <laughs> times. Yeah. There's a clear, clear lingering guilt. He just said that the issue was mental, not physical. Wife, of course, was frustrated. Wish she could snap him out of it. And uh, uh, yeah, brutal. I didn't say it was faking. But we go right back to our guy. I love this shit, man. This bathroom stuff is awesome. He's got a bottle of uh, booze in his hand. I don't feel drunk. I love that.
1: That's so good. I mean, that, that'd be the that only- That about the movie. You're <laughs> like holding a bottle of whiskey- and you're in a place you don't recognize. You're like, am I drunk? Why don't you look yeah. around? Well, I don't feel, I'm not dizzy. I don't feel drunk. Okay. <laughs> maybe, maybe this is
0: my it? place and I guess I'll take a shower. Dude, you're in Dodd's place. This is hilarious.
1: <laughs> the fact that he takes a shower is so I absurd. So I came absurd. here to get the jump on a guy I'm going to beat maybe to death. I'm going to take a shower real quick. Yeah. Because I don't know what the hell I'm doing. A large and dangerous
0: man. Well, not super large, but you know. Guy Pierce is smaller, I think. But uh Rangy enough. Yeah. <laughs> and uh he comes in to take a piss, they get into a brawl, he smashes him out with a with a bottle, and he turns <laughs> housekeeping away and ties up our guy, right? He ties up Leoben.
1: East- in- oh, that's true. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> but yeah, he gets Eastern promised. He gets wrestled by a naked guy.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh shit. A little little uh wrestling in the schwitz.
1: <laughs> Fucking! And he calls. The fuck what does he out? do? He calls
0: Teddy. Well, oh, he needs That's Teddy. It. He trusts Teddy. Again, these are the things that now give us doubt about Teddy. We're
1: like, wait, what? Right. He's going to him for help. He's the he's the old reliable for him. He's always got a picture of Teddy.
0: Yep. A quick, a very brief black and white moment that just is Lenny musing about how you can't bully someone into remembering because of uh, Sammy's uh, wife's frustration. The more pressure, the harder it gets. And then he hangs up. He begins prepping himself for tattoos. Um, good stuff.
1: And dude, this is one of my favorite moments of the movie as it's well. Amazing. When it cuts, it cuts to him just mid running, running. That's insane. Like, that is. That's so insane. He's in the middle of running. Okay, what am I doing? Uh, he looks over, sees the other guy running. Okay, I'm chasing this guy. <laughs> Goes after him. The dude pulls a gun on him. Oh, okay, no, no, he's chasing me. <laughs> like, oh, shit. Don't think run about, into him. Think
0: about things that take over 15 minutes that you just can't do. Right.
1: Like fucking
0: so much. This is much. like the most ultimate blast of marijuana. Like, wait, <laughs> what were we just doing? <laughs> what, where? What am, I, what am I doing? Wait, oh, shit, I'm watching
1: Godzilla. And what a great little piece of like, uh, again, like kind of like narrative structure where that black and white section says, the more pressure you're under, the harder it gets to remember, which I, I think implies that the quicker you forget. And so that's why once you're being shot at and fucking on a foot chase yeah. with the dude trying to run from your life, you forgot even faster. Maybe you only remember the last five minutes this time. You're like, oh, I'm in the middle of running. And I don't know why. Yep. Fuck terrifying.
0: Awesome. So clearly he has to run away from the man trying to murder him with a gun.
1: <laughs> You're like, did I fucking steal this guy's tacos or something? Like, yeah. what did I fucking do?
0: You start going through all the pictures, but he ends up making his way back to the motel room. He races up to his uh, hotel room, I believe. This is This is that moment where... He uh he busts open
1: door nine, knocks dude. the guy out by accident. <laughs> oh, that poor fucking dude. <laughs> what a shit day for that guy. Mm, I know. <laughs> you think housekeeping comes and you just get a fucking concussion from your door? Yep. God. He's like, oops, sorry. <laughs> then he goes into the other room. Sorry. Puts,
0: puts the puts the gun in the uh puts the gun in the on top of the Bible. And uh yeah
1: and that's it. And that's when he's, I'm going to sit down on the toilet and just get ready for this guy. Oh, I'm starting to get a little woozy. And he just kind of starts losing track of where where he's been, what he's doing. Yeah.
0: Awesome. And then, you know, black and white, Lenny's tattooing himself, gets the phone call, another
1: brief one. Oh, yeah. Right. And this is where he's tattooing. Fact number five, this, John G has access to drugs. Right. And we go right to nighttime color. Lenny's
0: at this sort of old, abandoned facility. Uh, he parks his car, builds a fire. He sits him. He sits him on amongst his concrete, and uh, he starts burning his wife's things. And well,
1: this, we actually started the scene, uh, bef- the bef- scene before that, which is technically prior to that. He's walking away from the little fire. Right. Uh, the next day. Yep. And that's when he's getting flagged down by the Dodd dude. Um, but yeah, no, you're right. After that, it's when he's burning his wife's belongings.
0: Right. And uh, I like this. We see memories of her. Right. His wife is reading the book. He's burning. Um, right, that that's
1: that's coming up here. Mm-hmm. Reading the book that she used to read over and over again. Right, it's an interesting little little note.
0: Of course, the memory. Right.
1: <laughs> Why
0: do you do it? Because I enjoy it. That makes sense to me.
1: Right. He must. That must mean a lot more to him now. Thinking back on that, of like, yeah, something that you is are familiar with.
0: Yeah. I love this idea of um, him wondering if uh, if I've burned truckloads of her stuff at this point and you
1: know what's interesting about that at first i remember for a long time thinking that was like a very like haunting poetic line about you'll never be able to to get out of this you're stuck in the cycle of trying to to move on but unable to and forgetting how much time has passed even but after a certain point you got to think he will go through all of her things that there will come a day Mm -hmm. when there is nothing left of hers and what then like how will his memory change yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I think it's a very open question. But I mean, if he, especially if he really has done truckloads of her shit that he's destroyed or burned, uh, there comes a day where there's nothing left to burn. How accessible will those memories be? He might actually be able to purge himself of the memory in a lot of ways. He says, Can't remember to forget you.
0: Another great line. Ah, so good. Yeah. And then we get a, a little bit more of a poignant black and white moment where he's on the phone, he's getting information. He has a police report. He has friends in the department from his past job. That's an important piece of dialogue because that may be true. That That's sort of a, that's a clever misdirection by the screenwriters. Well, well, by mm-hmm. Christopher Nolan and his brother, Jonathan
1: Nolan. <laughs> right? Which is to not right.
0: make you think, okay, because like, we know he's getting information from teddy right i mean
1: yeah oh yeah 100 percent. and i have the feeling yeah that they, even teddy gave him this copy of the police report as well right with
0: the redacted stuff but we, we well no we know he redacts it to keep the mystery going which we'll talk about yeah because he noticed, he notes that now oh there are missing pieces and he notes he wonders why weren't they looking for john g right and he this is a question we have to start asking ourselves at some point in this in this film
1: yeah, exactly. And right. I mean and I think some of our listeners I'm trying to remember the comment we're bringing up the fact about how he seems to remember a lot about the police report somewhat paradoxically. Um but in a way I think that's one of the we see him later on in the movie uh, at Natalie's house pick up the police report when he has nothing to do. I think he goes through that so much as well. Like that's his downtime activity is fucking going through the police report over and over again. Yeah, um, I, I think, think they're,
0: they're I, I think the movie was. I think the movie was kind of letting us know that that's probably one of the ritualistic things he does. In addition to looking at his notes and tattoos, is probably looking over the police report. Right. It's right. part of it's his almost, system, so to speak.
1: Exactly, and it's almost become again kind of like we were saying, like part of his like procedural memory. He's done that so many times that it's actually something he can reference with something like memory.
0: Mm, interesting all right let's see here back to gala what are we doing dude uh (laughs) another
1: fucking bummer of a scene let's get this prostitute to pretend to be my dead wife hey that's a pretty easy night when you're a working girl though you gotta say that's gotta be one of your vacation nights you're like wait you don't want me to fuck you or suck you off you just want me to lay some dead lady shit around the room and i can go to the bathroom and bump rails all right (laughs) it's fucking easiest 200 bucks i've ever made no shit right (laughs)
0: <laughs> probably charge him a shitload too
1: <laughs> right she's like mm, 3,000 he's like okay yeah Fuck it. I mean
0: talk about just utter disappointment or or not depending on if your wife was just a hack rag like you wake up and you're like oh my wife's gonna be there and then you're like it's a blonde girl doing coke hell yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> the night just got
0: started woohoo
1: Enter a great amnesia coming in hot let's get weird coke girl let's go for it tonight <laughs> Yes. But I love I love his strategy here in a way that he wants to it- it's like he- he's still trying for there to be this shock this like wham hit you in the face with a dictionary level shock of nope she's really gone like you she that's what he's like setting himself up for. He wants this like big Kick to his head uh, again, <laughs> as far as uh, like uh. this is this is not your wife. This is not her, um, and I, it's like he wants to take the momentum of yes. walking into the bathroom expecting to see her, and it is just absolutely not her. And that's when he has the the will to go out and burn his wife's things for sure. Like, and he needs that sh- that jolt. Perfect, I like it.
0: All right, so next black and white scene, Mister Anderson. Uh, he says, "There's something about the drugs in the car that doesn't ring true for me." The police can't claim the guy was an addict and needed money to score, which is bullshit because he isn't going to break into places when he has a stash that big. I think John G. planted it. And that's when Lenny starts to realize through the phone call that he is a dealer. Not an addict. That
1: makes sense. Old Jimmy. Mm -hmm. Not access to drugs. Dealing them, Dealing them drugs. (laughs) He's a fucking drug dealer. I'll kill him now.
0: Mm. Now we're getting somewhere. And uh, we go to color, discount in, Lenny snaps a photo of it and goes to his room. He hangs up his giant poster of notes. Uh, (laughs) He calls an escort. (laughs) We know why. And uh, blonde is fine, yes. I love when he goes, that's what I've heard, because you know the person said blondes have more fun. (laughs) It's such good writing. That's so realistic. That's what I've heard. (laughs) It's so good, dude. So good. Uh, It's so good. Mm Mm-hmm. Cut to them talking. He instructs her to wait until he falls asleep and then uh, go into the bathroom and slam the door a lot enough to wake me up. He also asks her to put on some of his wife, to put some of his wife's things around the room and just pretend they're your things. She pulls out the bra and says, should I wear it? No. (laughs) You know, just, and then she's like, should I, she goes, to use a hairbrush. She's like, no, no, no. Uh, Just, just place things around the house. She's like, whatever gets you off, dude.
1: (laughs) Uh, for what what got to be so disappointing again is that like wow this is actually a pretty pretty uh hot dude not a scummy looking dude that I probably have to normally deal with and you're like you don't even want to fuck <laughs> Ah, whatever
0: <laughs> well um he falls asleep since she, and she know she follows his instructions um back to the black and white which is lenny telling what well, well before i move on from that what do you think about this stuff with um with the escort
1: I mean, yeah, I mean, I, like I was saying earlier, I think it's mostly just his attempt to almost like jolt himself yeah. into the reality that his wife is gone. Because what we, that earlier scene, which is technically later, uh, where he's laying in bed with Natalie and she's asleep and he's kind of speaking out loud to himself, he's talking about how much, even though he's logically aware of the fact that his wife is gone, he still never really quite feels it. He st- the reality that he feels is that she always might still be there. Maybe she's still there. It doesn't quite feel like she's gone. It's not something fully processed as part of his you know reality. And I think the, him calling it an escort to do this, which he's probably done before, mm-hmm. is for him to have that jolt of, oh, that's not who I thought it was. That's not my wife. She is gone. Okay. Yeah. Like I think that's what he's always attempting and reattempting.
0: Brutal. Um, we get a little bit more on Sammy's wife. She confronts Lenny, and she's like, is he, is he faking? I mean, obviously, this woman's at her wits' end trying to deal with this.
1: So fucking sad. Absolutely. Well, the idea of, you know, the way she says it, she's like, if I just knew that he wasn't faking, I could move on. I could accept that my old Sammy's gone, and I could start finding a way to love this new Sammy. But if in the back of my mind I think he's always maybe faking – then it's like, it's just this horror of like, why is he doing this to me? Like, it, it would feel like somebody's inflicting it on you.
0: And, and, and Lenny plays it by the book, you know, and she presses him hoping to get through to him on an emotional level, and he can't. He just says, I, I I think he's capable of making new memories, and that's when she thinks him Physically in Physically capable. Yes. Yeah. And that's when Lenny gets to his car, Teddy's in the passenger seat, he, of course, doesn't know who he is. <laughs>
1: Uh, that's he so goes good. to
0: strangle him, and he's, just, he's like, whoa, 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 Teddy, it's your buddy. Prove it. Prove it. Sam, remember uh, Sammy? told me about Sammy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sammy, Sammy, Jesus.
0: Because that's uh, the only thing, you know, that's a, a something that, that our guy believes happened before the trauma, right?
1: Right, right. And this is dude, this is such a great moment as far as as the plot of Linny not being aware of what's going on and Teddy having a much more like overview knowledge of what's actually happening. And he's like, "Let me tell you, your business here is finished. You need to go away." It. And I love that line where he's like, you know, well, well, how do you know? Or like who, who? How do you know I'm in here with Natalie? Or she's well manipulating schmuck. Guess whose house you just left? <laughs> <laughs> fucking calls him a schmuck. Dude, oh, I love this. It. Is
0: this is Joey man pants? This the uh, fuck. God, I love this shit.
1: <laughs> schmuck.
0: <laughs> so
1: fucking good.
0: What do you think is going to happen when she gets all jammed up? Who do you think she's going to call? Take my pen. Write this down. Do
1: not trust her. I am not lying to you. Yeah, And what the dark part of that is, he isn't, he's not lying to him. She is fucking manipulating him for her own ends. But at the same time, so is he. Mm
0: -hmm. And Teddy asks if Lenny has ever considered how it looks that he's still hanging around. Yeah. Your car, your suit. You know, you don't even know who you are, right? right? You know who you were. What we've become sense is different. You wander around, you play detective. You don't even know how long ago it was. Start investigating yourself. Now, it's at this point where you believe that maybe Teddy's not a bad guy because why tell him to investigate himself? Right, right. If I was using you, I'd want you not to do that, first of all.
1: True. And it kind of even makes me wonder if if for Teddy, if his underlying motivations, yes, he is definitely manipulating uh, Lenny for his own ends, but if there comes a point where he's like, "You've done enough for me. Like, I don't want to keep mm-hmm. using you forever. Like, okay, you, we 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 got a score that I helped you. You know, I I used you to help me get. Now, fucking get out of here. <laughs> like, get get go on with your life. Like, I think there is a there is a sincerity of him wanting to kind of release Lenny at a point. Yeah, interesting, huh? Something, man. He's definitely still conflicted about it.
0: Yeah, he is, but that's tough because how many times does he interact with these people? And part of you, outside of all the things that talk about the recognition, have we had this conversation before, is the general more long-term or deeper feeling or thought, I guess you'd say, as to what, how many fucking times have I, how long have I held this guy on the hook here, you know? (laughs) Right. He pleads, uh, Teddy, Teddy pleads with Lenny not to trust Natalie, right?
1: Right. She's already got you staying with her for Christ's sakes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he writes, do not trust her. But then he also reads after Teddy leaves, do not believe his
1: lies. So he crosses it out, right? Right. Okay. Right, right, right. And this is that moment when he, when he, at Teddy's insistence, he does write down, do not trust her. But it's in that, that small hand. It's in the cursive that he doesn't normally yep. do notes in.
0: Yeah. Teddy snaps a photo of the inside, and we go right to back black and white. Mm-hmm. His tattoo says, don't answer the phone. After he answers it, he hangs up quickly.
1: That's very brief. And we go right back to color. I love that. Never answer the phone. Mm. It is so risky for him that he has just made it a policy to literally never, never answer the phone. Yep. Under no circumstances. So
0: something clearly happened. Mm-hmm. Lenny's in Natalie's house. She comes home beat up. She says it was Dodd. She says it's because she followed Lenny's advice. Lenny helps her out. She says she did exactly as told. And of course, the damsel and distress is always a challenge to resist. Um, I told him I didn't have Jimmy's money or drugs and that Teddy must have taken everything. He didn't believe me, said if I didn't have the drugs by tomorrow, that he'd kill me. And then he started hitting me. Whoa. This is a lot of plot.
1: Yeah. You're like, this, this is a shock. This feels like the big turn almost. Sure. Uh, and boy, what a fucking fantastic reveal in the next scene. What a what a oh, turn for the God. audience to realize that oh, this is the level of manipulation. Because you especially first time watching this, you're like, oh holy shit, she really is in danger and and he needs to help her. And this is a this is a scarier situation for the both of them we than we first thought. Nope. Total fucking manipulation, total yep. lie.
0: Total lie. And she pushes him. Pushes him. <gasps> Man, right? calls his wife a whore calls him an idiot tells him he doesn't know a fucking thing she calls him a piece of shit swears at him calls him a retard calls him a freak calls his wife a whore she says that maybe his cunt wife sucked one too many diseased cocks and it turned her into a retard it's pretty good (laughs) as insults go (laughs) pretty
2: fucking brutal
1: she calls him a sad
0: freak she says she can say whatever he wants and they'll still be best friends I like that
1: Dude, that is, that is the darkest moment from her in this movie where she's like, I'm going to tell you that I'm going to use you right now because I'm going to enjoy it more when I am mm-hmm. actually doing it. Yep. That you won't fucking remember that I told you I would.
0: We should also note that she strategically got rid of all the writing utensils. And of course, because we know the scene that happened right before it, that this will succeed. That uh, mm-hmm. despite him pushing, despite her pushing him, that uh, <laughs> this is awesome, man. So, so dark. <laughs>
1: So good. So fucking mean. <laughs> but God presses him until he punches her in the face. And that's it. She's like, huh? I'll see you in a minute. Yeah. Goes out to her car. Probably sits there for what, five, six minutes as yeah. he f- tries to just stay focused, stay focused. Got to get a pen. Got to write this down. Got to write love it down. It. I love and the he, frantic he, nature of it. And, and like we've already established, more pressure makes it that much harder. His memory fades that much quicker. He can't keep things in his mind for as long. It's a the really good point the situation.
0: that can easily be overlooked, and I'm glad you mentioned it, which is he's already mentioned that Sammy's wife pushing him made it worse, and it's in this moment where him being under extreme stress makes it slip away quicker
1: right, right. And you gotta, I mean, and this is just, this is a little bit nitpicky, but I'm like, there's a part of me where he keeps going, keep it in mind, keep it in mind, keep focused. And I'm like, why are you saying that? You should just be like, Natalie is fucking evil. Natalie is using you. Natalie is fucking evil. Natalie is using you. Like, <laughs> that's the thing I would be chanting over and over. I'm like, that's the thing I need to remember. <laughs> Probably else.
0: because it doesn't help. Right? Right? He's just thinking Probably instinctively,
1: not. right? Like, yeah, um, fuck,
0: don't, don't forget. It's, it's like, It's like that moment, you're like, fuck, what band is it? What, what, what?" you know, like, it's that,
1: ah. Dude, that is something that has been totally destroyed by the internet and smartphones. Oh, absolutely. I I don't know if I've told this story before on the podcast, but I will, to this day, my my good buddy, Will, who I moved out to Oregon with, I can still text him just one word, accessory, and he'll be like, ah, fuck, fuck you, and the reason (laughs) why... It's back in the day. Back before smartphones and we were driving around. We were like we were like 45 minutes from home heading back to his place from like a movie or something and we were talking about, you know, crimes and like cuz I think we had watched some kind of fucking like mystery thriller movie. And we were talking about, wait a minute, what's that thing where you're you're involved in a murder or a crime but you're not at the <laughs> level of an accomplice. You're not you're not an accomplice, but it's that other A word that you means like you were you are a part of it. And we proceeded to start to lose our fucking mind. Like, what is it? What is that fucking word? Like, it was on the tip of both of our tongues. And I still remember him parking his truck, pulling the fucking emergency brake, running into his house to an encyclopedia and going, accessory. It's accessory. It's fucking accessory. That's and we were like, oh, thank God. <laughs> it was like, it was like fucking blowing a load. You're like, oh, father relief. Thank God. Oh my God. I've been holding that in. Oh, <laughs> now no more. No one knows that struggle.
0: That's hilarious. Kids
1: today. <laughs> <laughs> At least you had the A.
0: Otherwise, you never would have figured it out because that'd be even a hard never. Google search. Seriously, yeah. Like, that's like, the well, only thing you can
1: remember. It's an A word. It's an A word, but it's not accomplice. <laughs> too funny. <laughs> so, I'm going to text him that right now, actually.
0: <laughs> uh, black and white, Lenny starts listening to the room next to him. There's a knock on his door. It's Bert. He says, there's a cop on the phone. You're really going to want to know what he has to say, right? <laughs> You're going to want to hear this. We go back to Natalie and Lenny. They get to her place. She says she he can crash on the crash on the couch. You told me you're looking for the guy who killed your wife. She wonders why the police haven't found the guy yet, considering how much info he already has. Great question, Natalie. And that's when Very he good. gives us some important things that we have been sort of quietly putting off, hoping it wasn't poor writing, <laughs> right? And right. Uh, they don't think he exists. and In the, the story goes. Um, John G. was clever, right? Took the dead man's gun, placed it, replaced it with the sap that he hit me with, left my gun, and left the getaway car. He gave the police the complete package. They found the sap with my blood on it in the dead man's hand and only found my gun. They didn't need to look for a second person. That was it. Case closed. You were home invaded. You shot close. the guy. Game over. Yeah,
1: that is clever.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it makes, makes sense to the police. They, they don't need open shit. They will close them up, right. baby.
1: And then, I mean, and like he says, he's like, they're not, not going to believe a guy with brain damage telling them there was someone else. Of course. It was the second guy there, and they're going, ah, he must be confused.
0: Yep. Back to the black and white phone rings, envelope under the door, take my call. And <laughs> a Polaroid of him. Love it. Ooh, pointing to his so chest crazy. with blood on his hand and face so and chest.
1: scary. Because like, that is, boy, that is an intimate picture. That is somebody, you were you were fucking shirtless, smiling, covered in some guy's blood. And this guy snapped a Polaroid of you. He was right there with you. I love this it. And, not-
0: and, 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 and you can't be distracted. You can't be distracted by the blood to miss the expression of elation and happiness, which
1: we just never see. Right, right. That fucking line later on. He's like, I just wanted to see that face again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Lenny. Lenny. <laughs> um. Uh, yeah. Back to the color. He gets a drink from Natalie. A man at a bar laughs. Of course. That's
1: uh, uh, such a good little little cliffhanger, a teaser of what's to come. You're like, huh, oh, why is this they, random they old come dude right at the back bar? to
0: it? At, at this point, as the movie's sort of just kind of getting to the end here, this is this is where they really back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. It, oh, yeah. it is Definitely a little overwhelming, um, especially mm-hmm. when you're trying to take fucking notes. <laughs> All right. Um And uh, she's like, whoa. She asks him the last thing. Remember, she's his wife. She says, that's sweet. And he says, dying.
1: <laughs> dying. I remember my wife dying. Um, Jesus. Back on the
0: black and white, Lenny's on the phone, getting frantic, is talking to the cop. Why you ask me? I don't remember. You ask, you don't ask someone with my condition, right? So, That's going to start making a sense in just a minute. Back to Lenny in his car, looking at the coaster. Freddie's bar. He goes in and he asks for a beer. She says she can't just come in and ask for a beer dressed like that. We don't know what that means yet. He asks if there's a dress code. Right? Says he's meeting Natalie.
1: Well, dude, I'm so glad you you brought that that dialogue up because it just jolted my memory actually of there's that scene earlier. I think it's when Teddy is, is, you know, being like, you're, he's you're already staying out of your house. You fucking schmuck. And, and, and he's like, you know, at this point you driving this car, wearing those clothes, he's going to start putting things together and how to take advantage of this situation. And boy, does Lenny fuck up right here in right. that, in that moment, at least of being like, Why would the clothes in the car matter to her? Indeed, But that's not information Teddy would give up, for sure. But it's bad of him not to ask that. That's a glaring problem. Like, dude, the clothes you're wearing in the car you're driving are the single signal she needs to know that she can take advantage of you. Mm -hmm. Why is that?
0: Mm -hmm. Yep, awesome. That's, That's bad news. And that's when he's like, oh, we've clearly met before. She says nothing. He asks why he's here. You tell me. I don't remember. I have short-term memory loss. You are the memory guy? How do you know him about me? My boyfriend told him about you. Who's he? Jimmy Grants. You know him? No. He knows you. Told me about you. Said you're staying at the discount. A cop came earlier looking for you. Are you Teddy? Nope, Lenny. Did Teddy send you? I don't know. What happened to Jimmy? I don't know that either. You don't remember anything, she says, right? I can't make new memories. Why are you here then? I had this in my pocket. She pours him the beard. They spin in it because now she wants to test
1: the veracity of this memory loss. Totally. This is her first time meeting him. It's awesome.
0: And I love that that uh, moment
1: too where he's like, "Uh, so we must have met before. And she's like, no. (laughs) Because he thinks, again, that that goes to the the other flaw uh, of, of basically Lenny's kind of analysis of situations in life that he trusts notes probably too much at this point and he finds a note in his pocket it's obviously not his handwriting but he finds a note in his pocket not knowing that he's even wearing somebody else's clothes right. and just goes huh this must be an important thing i must have already met this person before they left me a note they left me a note mm-hmm. so he just goes here like that's what a he, he, what a bizarre twist of fate. like he <laughs> never should have gone here he never should have even met natalie right very cool
0: the next black and white's pretty informative, which is nobody believes you poetic justice for not believing Sammy. I don't want anything. I feel angry. I don't know why I feel guilty. I don't know why that's important because that's conditioning. You yes. could do anything and not have the faintest idea. 10 minutes later. I didn't tell you what happened to Sammy and his wife. She went home and gave Sammy's final exam, her insulin shot. This is so hor- horrific, horrific, and he just keeps giving it to her and she allows it. She's done. She can't do it. Ah, That's so brutal, man. It's the ultimate test.
1: Right. And he fails. Yeah. Because he really couldn't help
0: it. And that's when he realizes the mistake he made. When I looked into his eyes, I saw recognition. Now I know you fake it. If you think you're supposed to recognize somebody, you pretend to. And that's absolutely true for everybody. For everybody. Yeah, we all do that. You bluff to not seem like a freak. And then there's this long beat. And he says, what drug dealer? Bang. Right back to color. Tattoo parlor. Reading his notes. Teddy goes to the fucking tattoo parlor. Hey, Lenny. How you doing?
1: <laughs> Lenny. Still here? Still fucking here, <laughs> Lenny. Why are you 10 blocks away from that place where you murdered a guy?
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Teddy tells Lenny, we have to get you out of here. It's not safe. The cops are looking for you. You need a new identity and clothes and a car. Right? (laughs) And that's when he says, he told me he thinks that it is funny. He knows you're no good on the phone, so he will slip shit under the door to get you to answer the phone again. He's saying this is an anonymous cop. Bad guy. Right. Giving you a line of crap about John G. being a local drug dealer. Jimmy Grant is the drug dealer. The cop wants to know how his operation runs, has a score in mind, and you're involved. I'm a snitch. He's a cop from out of town. The local boys put us together. If he knew I was helping you, he'd kill me. So put these clothes on and get the fuck out of here.
1: <laughs>
0: A lot of bullshit being stung by Teddy.
1: Oh yeah, but at trying same to keep time, him safe though. Right, at the, he's right. Like if if our boy Lenny shot out of town right now, he wouldn't run into most of the problems he runs into in this movie.
0: That's the beauty of this movie too, because not only what what has what what has Lenny been telling us this whole movie? You can only rely on the facts, but he doesn't mm-hmm. really know the facts, does he? He just thinks he does. No. Exactly, he thinks his name is Teddy. He thinks these things. Maybe you can trust your own handwriting, but in what context? Like you said, and now what? What does make the movie a touch confusing is Teddy saying all this shit is all bullshit. But we don't know on a first watch. No, it comes. You're totally right. It becomes pretty evident though, right? So in the back room, Lenny reads the Teddy photo. Don't believe his lies. Get the idea (laughs) to slip up, which is hilarious because he is lying in this moment and. It's true, but it's not a problem. It's not for nefarious purposes. It's to keep you safe. Right. right. But, he, but ah. he bolts. He slips out of the window. He goes to the bar. He gets to Freddy's bar. And Natalie's like, hey, Jimmy, looking in the car that's his, Jimmy's car, Jimmy's clothes, the different guy in both. And she's like, oh, whoops, sorry. And she's smart here. Now, this tells us a little bit about Natalie. Natalie's going go, who the fuck are you wearing Jimmy's car and his clothes? Right. Because right. she knows Jimmy's a fucking criminal. And probably doesn't care super a ton about him, right? It's probably one of those weirdo, criminal, you know, kind of bartender, strange old relationships. And you just, you know, that old hat. But, but, you know, my point is she's fearful. She's like, whoa, I better pretend. It's not so obvious they're together that she says, what the fuck are you doing? And she's like, I know what Jimmy does in his life. And when I see this, I'm going to play it off. That's really streetwise.
1: Oh, Before. absolutely. Because she has plausible deniability of absolutely. like, oh, well, he comes here all the time. He's a bar customer and he drives that car. I recognize it. That's it. That's all yeah. I know. Right. Like, absolutely. You, you can deny any knowledge of his criminal doings or who he's with, working with. It's like, yeah. I mean, she, she is wise enough to go, oh, I'm just going to, oh, I thought you for mail. sure. Moving on.
0: If they were married and Jimmy was a banker, she'd be like, why the fuck are you in my husband's car? I'm calling exactly.
1: the police. It just, so
0: it tells you a lot about their relationship, doesn't it?
1: Yes. Yeah that she knows there's a lot of things she has to cover for and be careful about for sure
0: great scene
1: oh yeah yeah which unfortunately plays into our poor boy cuz he doesn't know he's just like oh okay i guess I, there's no there's nothing weird about me being in this car or in these clothes yeah man
0: yeah so um back to black and white which gives us a lot more info and as we can see they're starting to line up together the black and white and the color getting closer together in the timeline right jimmy Grant steals drugs out of the bar's girlfriend works out of whoa I always figured the drug angle would be the best way to get him. I'm ready. What do you look like? I'll be there. This is all phone shit. Lenny takes all his notes down, packs up and heads out. He sees Teddy. Officer Gamble question mark. Yeah, come on. Teddy says Dude, after d- looking nervous.
1: Right. Don't you love how serious he looks right there yes. until he addresses it. he's like Lenny and he goes officer and he goes, "Yeah, that's right. Come on." Like he kind of inhabits the officer role once that happens. It's awesome. cool. Cuz he knows in this moment he's got to be he You know, that's what's so interesting about Teddy is that he knows Lenny well enough and has been around him at this point enough. There are times where he needs to play the authority angle and Mm -hmm. be like, yes, I'm the police officer helping you. And other times he's more like, no, I'm just your pal, Teddy, looking out for you. Uh, And and this is our first moment of him
0: interacting with a major character in the plot in the black and white.
1: Right, right. First time. Finally outside of his room. Outside of Bert. True.
0: Um. He takes a picture of him. Now, this is what I like. I like how when he goes to take a picture, he doesn't let him. But then he lets him again. He wouldn't let him if he was a bad guy. He'd be like, "I don't want my fucking picture taken."
1: Right, right. There's a little bit of like, you know, he still kind of wants to preserve the little his familiarity with him. Sure, yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, of
1: like, yeah, okay, fine, man, <laughs> take my picture. <laughs> uh, but he gets him to call him Teddy Cause, cause he because he claims
0: he... to. Be, yes, he claims to be undercover.
1: Mm-hmm. He gives him a phone he also, number. <laughs> wants to make sure you're not going to put it together that, yeah, I'm also actually a John G. Yep.
0: And I like this because we're seeing the clothing he's wearing is different.
1: We yes, see a familiar indeed.
0: pickup truck.
1: Mm-hmm. It's starting to come together at indeed. this point. This was that moment where on my first yeah. watch, I'm like, holy shit. Exactly. You're driving, that's the your truck?
0: Fuck. Yeah, And that Jaguar is not yours? At all. Because they get inside he wa- he's walked around with a, the tire iron and then the vehicle is approaching this is intercut with some memories which was like okay whatever but um <laughs> yeah we see familiar clothing the man calls out for Teddy okay yeah we An already outcome. know this this was set up in a prior scene right she knew when, when one of things now dude went to meet a guy named Teddy never came back oh right we're seeing That's that it. which is why mm-hmm. she doesn't trust a person named Teddy but um he uh, enters the place it's Jimmy grants Jimmy calls Lenny memory man.
1: Dude, i love this yes. i
0: love how jimmy's like what the fuck are you doing here
1: memory man
0: which means he has a reputation about town
1: a little bit yeah a little bit right it almost makes you it makes you wonder how much like teddy is known and this is almost like his unknowing muscle <laughs> the memory man
0: yeah it's funny
1: he's, he's this fucking you know unknowledgeable henchman doesn't even know that he's a henchman he just says well
0: well we're teddy
1: that's it. And then he fucking whacks him with a tire iron. Right. He starts demanding that he strips.
0: Well, and uh Jimmy uh, does so under duress and he says he has two hundred thousand mm. in the car, he tells Lenny to take it, and he's like, You trying to fucking buy this? I mean, come on, dude. This is mm-hmm. this is a moment of truth. So we believe for our guy. Right. But we also have to remember, but he shoots Teddy too. So what is this? So what we're we're, we're we're like cool. He's got him, but but I don't know because we've watched the movie in the beginning,
1: right? Mm-hmm. And it just starts to like nothing makes sense right here. They're they're so divergent still. Where you're like, how do those two things connect? Because there's not enough tissue to put it together quite yet. But boy, from this moment onward, it all starts to just like click together.
0: And you're thinking, and man, is he oh. dead? It seems like a pretty quick death for a choke like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he's not on him for very, very long. But that's that's the moment, though, that reveals that this is not what it seemed. Where Correct. he drags him downstairs, and he's still not all the way unconscious yet. And he whispers, Sammy. Dude. That's whew, what Boom. a fucking line. And it just hits him that I have been around this guy. I have talked to this mm-hmm. guy. I've told him the Sammy Jenkins story. This is not some stranger. This is not fucking John G. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, crazy. It's so fucking great.
0: here's something i'm i'm sort of slipping my memory on why did he put on this guy's clothes
1: um i think just to to look different i'm not sure okay (laughs) i think think so too yeah he's literally just taking you know different clothes
0: black and white becomes color this is awesome man
1: dude yeah when the pic Ah. god what a great visual moment of the picture developing and the rest of the screen becomes color
0: god damn opposite of what we've already had And the caller continues. He leaves his clothes behind. He drags Jimmy downstairs. Like you said, the Sammy. Lenny wonders how he knows him. And then Teddy gets there. And uh, he wonders what he's done. Lenny asks Teddy for help. Teddy flashes a badge.
1: Oh, this is great. Him flashing through the pictures, and then coming to the picture that he just took a couple minutes ago of his body, and being like, "Oh God, what have I done?" Mm-hmm. Like, "Fuck, you've already, you're already." That's kind of what you talking about earlier. He already feels the guilt and the and the the crazy yes emotions surrounding this, and doesn't know why. Right. Uh,
0: yeah, it's pretty fascinating because you know short-term memory is one thing, but like traumatic memory is something different.
1: Right. Right. It's pretty wild. Like just and, all the fucking systems it's setting off in your body. Sure. Your adrenaline, sure. your endorphins. You're just like, uh I don't right. know why I'm feeling like I'm feeling.
0: Yeah. What a what a what a shitty way to feel adrenaline without any precursor to that adrenaline. Seriously. It's like a panic attack where you like, but I wasn't thinking about anything.
1: Right. It just happens. All no of the context. Time there is. Ugh.
0: You just don't understand it, right? Mm-hmm. It's cool. So he's the guy, um, so that Teddy, you know, Teddy tells Lenny, I'm a cop, and uh, I helped you find him. And Lenny's like, well, who is he? He's the guy that raped him. I like, by the way, pay attention to the language. He's the guy that raped your wife and fucked up your brain. If your wife was raped and killed, you don't just say he's the guy that raped your wife. Right. Raped and murdered. Raped and murdered, you would say. But he doesn't, mm. does
1: he? No. He's he is he just got whacked over the head. Yes, I like that. He's being inadvertently a little honest right here. Yes, man, very (laughs) and also. The way he says that—that's just another great Joey Pants. I was like, "Ah, Lenny, fuck that kills. (laughs) 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 Oh Oh, fuck, fuck, man! (laughs) That's just so real. Like it's "Ah, so real. Shit that hurts. Like that's what I'm
0: saying. That's why I love him, man. I I love the guy. So good.
1: But damn, dude, and especially this, this moment where, you know, he he's starts- James
0: F. Grant. Yeah, he's got, we, the guy's like, bullshit. And he's like, bullshit. No, no, his name's G- James F. Grant. It's John G. Check your tattoo.
1: Yeah, he's the one who got him to open up to the idea of a James instead of just Well, a John. then why is
0: he bringing 200 grand, Matthew? What? Teddy asks. A load of infinimies, I told him I had a drug deal. No, well, that, you know, and your thing, too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, and your thing. Your uh, thing. Dude, you know, how, your do you blame- how do you blame... singular mission for being alive. How do you blame
0: Teddy? He's sick of it. I'm going to make money. <laughs> uh, fuck. And he goes, look, Jimmy's your guy. I just figured he would make a few dollars on the side, right? He knows you from the discount in. He dealt out of there. The guy at the front let him know if anyone was snooping around. He called Jimmy the minute he saw you taking pictures of the dump. So that's how he knows him because Burke called him. You tell everyone about Sammy, everyone that'll listen. Great story, gets better every time. You lie to yourself to be happy. We all do it. So what if there are some details you'd rather not remember? Your wife survived the assault. She didn't believe your condition. The pain and anguish tearing her up inside. The insulin, that's Sammy, not me. You tell yourself over and over again to condition yourself to remember. Sammy let his wife kill herself. Sammy was a con man, a faker. And that's when our guy says, mm-hmm. I never said he was faking. You expose him for what he was. I was wrong. That's the whole point. Sammy didn't have a wife. It was your wife that had diabetes. My wife wasn't diabetic. Are you sure?
1: Uh, that, that line where he's like, are you sure? Oof. Because like, are you fucking sure of anything, man? Are you sure of anything, any of these details? And
0: he goes on, I guess I can only make you remember the things that you want to be true. Like Jimmy down there. He's not the right guy. He was to you. You got your revenge. What difference if he was your guy or not? It makes all the difference, which he's already established. You're never going to know. Yes, I will. You won't remember. I thought so too, but you didn't. That's right. The real John G. I helped you find him a year ago. He's already dead Lenny, I was a cop assigned to t- t- your wife's case. I believed you. I thought you deserved a chance of revenge. I'm the one who helped you find the other guy in the bathroom that night, the guy that cracked just and fucked your wife. We found him and you killed him, but you don't remember, so I helped you look again, looking for the guy you already killed. Some guy, because he's like, who is he? Some guy, doesn't matter, no reason, just bad luck. Couple junkies too strung out to realize your wife didn't live alone.
1: And see, that dude, God, that, this is awesome, that, man. It's a fucking amazing reveal. I mean, it's just jaw dropping the first time you see it. But that line too, I think, what's so powerful about it, where he's like, "Well, who was he?" And he goes, "Just some guy." Yeah. Does it even matter who? And Oof. like that's that's a big part of of Leonard that he has attributed. So I mean, he has made this very literally his wife being attacked and him having to hunt the guy down. He has made that his identity. That is.
0: You would, who so would he you, would now. you say his raison d'être?
1: Exactly. Raison mm. d'être. Mm. But like, he, he gives the killer of his wife and the taker of his memory and ability to live all of these like mythic qualities. Like, he must be just this representation of evil. He is the thing I am hunting until I get him without, you know, without stopping. And you, you finally hear just the bare truth of it, the reality of, just some fucking guy, some junkie who who broke into your house and and attacked you guys. Like, there's no deeper meaning to it. There's no larger story there. But that's what he needs to have a purpose in life. Yeah. Fucking so crazy. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, it's awesome, man. And that so much of this is awesome because what it does is it doesn't it doesn't allow you to. So so much of this is like the, one of the one of the major premises of the film is is Lenny talking about fact.
2: Mm-hmm. It's
0: all undermined right here because all of, of his own desire and perception, his own personality. Exactly. Proving yeah. he can't just rely on fact because he's not even doing that now. But he sure thought he was. And I like this. He's like, look, uh, I-, I wanted to see that face again. And he's like, fuck you. He goes, gee, thanks. He's like, fuck you. I gave you a reason to live and you are more <laughs> happy to, be, to, 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 to help. You don't want the truth. You make up your own. Your police file, it was complete when I gave it to you. Who, called, who took out the 12 pages? It was complete when I gave it to you. You took them out. It wasn't me. It was you. Why? To create a puzzle you could never solve, right? Damn. Yeah. You know how many John G's and James G's? How many towns? I mean, shit. I'm John G, <laughs> right?
1: <laughs> Cheer up. My mother calls me Teddy.
0: <laughs> you
1: live in the dream, kid.
0: A dead wife, to pine for, a sense of purpose, a romantic quest that you wouldn't and even if I wasn't in the picture, I should kill you. Come on, Lenny,
1: you're not a killer.
0: That's why you're so good at it, <laughs> right? So why are you so good at
1: it? Fucking pinching his cheeks, <laughs> <laughs> fucking asshole. Ah, uh, but dude, that's that's everything. Like that's one of the other big kind of like it, it just the way it changes your perspective Indeed. of the story and of Leonard is, is the fact that at first you you see this whole scenario laid out that he was you know an insurance investigator just living his life his wife's attacked, raped and killed uh and and he has nothing else in this world that really makes sense and it's that's kind of this grand underlying story of yes. why he is the way he is and it's also a very when you we, at first you think wow what a tragic complex you know horrible stroke of luck kind of bizarre story but when you really stop and think about it compared to reality what a very cut and dry story that is that's a very mm-hmm. easy to understand story the motivation makes sense and your your reasons for doing what you do are very clear unlike the reality where like where teddy says it was just some fucking guy there's there's nothing more to it than that but you needed this clean mythic story to live by yeah fucking
0: or even just a story in general i don't even think he needed to make it some big mythical thing he just needed a purpose
1: yeah yeah it's crazy but it's uh but it makes sense yeah it has such a it has such an uncomplicated motivation, a pure desire for revenge sure. in that story. Yeah. Unlike the complicated reality of no, you actually <laughs> overdosed your wife because you your memory is gone. Mm-hmm. You didn't know what you were doing. That's a lot harder to swallow. <laughs> capacity uh, our our capacity for self-deception is really incredible. Oh man.
0: Yeah let's really I mean, dude, it,
1: there are so many. I mean, I feel like every now and then people kind of make that joke of like, "Oh yeah, every prisoner in prison says they're innocent. I didn't do it." <laughs> but no, it is crazy how often people who are caught literally like knife in hand, dead body at their feet, and are it, the cops on the scene are like, "I didn't do it. I didn't do anything," mm-hmm. and they genuinely fucking believe it. Oh yeah, they didn't do it. I, I didn't do that. Because you because you know your, yourself and your intentions and you realize that you lost control of yourself and your true self wouldn't do that. So I didn't do that. That was, I don't know what that was. That wasn't yep. me. And people, fuck, we can delude ourselves to no end. Oh, yeah. It's, it's fucking scary.
0: <laughs> well, he takes Lenny's keys, right? Lenny offers a drink. They go <laughs> yeah, it's outside. It's beer
1: o'clock. Come on, I'm yeah, buying.
0: I love him. Lenny tosses uh, Teddy's <laughs> keys. I'm not a killer, just someone who wanted to make things right. Lenny takes Teddy's picture. He writes down, Don't believe the lies on the back. He burns the pictures of Jimmy G and him. Ooh. Now we're talking about
1: self-deception. And you know what? So I used to always again, this is like one of my like newer feelings about this watch of this movie. Because I used to always think that this was purely. I interpreted it as purely Lenny knowing he's going to forget this, so I'm going to have to do the same. He like once he realizes in these moments that Teddy's manipulating him, he's like, "Well, fuck it, I'll manipulate myself. I will lie to myself and believe in this lie." Whereas I, I mean, that's still in truth what it is, but I, I have a different feeling about it from this viewing, and it's very much in a way. It's kind of the silver lining to the story that when you think that this is not just a moment of him, I'm going to decide to trick myself, but I'm going to decide to have some agency. Like I will, I know that I will not be aware of this agency later because I'm going to forget it, but I am choosing to tell myself right now how to behave in the future and not what Teddy has designed for me to fall into.
0: The other fascinating thing about this is this, is that if, if, if you, if you had this pro let's, let's say You had a less severe traumatic event, but you didn't, in fact, have this condition. And the one thing that brought you joy was this sort of uh, uh, amazing mystery or something. You would there is a part of you. I I, here's why I believe this so wholeheartedly is that uh, there's a part of me that believes if you solved the thing and knew you were living your life in these moments and in these notes that you might make some of them disappear to continue to know you're going to need purpose in 20 minutes when you're, when you reset.
1: <laughs> exactly. Think
0: about that. If you had this condition and the only thing that gave you a sense of purpose was this particular mystery or a particular, uh, a, a story or, or even a mystery novel that you were taking notes on and you so desperately wanted to solve that if you solved it within that time frame before you reset, you might go, when I get up, I'm going to have all the answers. Right. I'm going to right. disappear some of this so I can still have the drive and focus to live my life. I I really understand that. I I can wrap yeah. my head around that type of self-deception. Where it gets a little dicey is telling yourself, but will it lead to me killing somebody? But but the beauty of that is you don't really know because you don't remember you killed anybody. Right. Outside yeah. of, like, like we've said before, this sort of weird pang of guilt that seems sort of to come out of a... Out of nowhere, it's it's almost uh, nebulous the origin of that feeling. Absolutely. You have no frame of reference to place any kind of conscious thought around it, but it exists anyway. That's fascinating to me.
1: Ugh, it's like every emotion just becomes a mood. You're <laughs> like, I don't sure. know what this is from. I just, it's just there. I just feel it.
0: Yeah. If if to make it to make it very candy department, if you had a video game, the only video game you could ever play forever. And you had this condition, you and you were like, oh, I finally beat it. You'd be like, but wait, let me let me go in and kill some of my saved games and destroy some of my notes so I can enjoy it again because it's all I have.
1: <laughs> right? Right? It's right. fucking
0: crazy to think about, but that that when you break it down into a very simple way like that, it makes you understand the motivation better. It's hard because we're thinking of murder as the end goal, but you can't because you're you're thinking with too much of. Like John Locke was saying, right, that that continuity of consciousness, which makes your identity, we take that so for granted. So it's even hard for us to wrap our heads around this thought process.
1: Totally. And, you know, and I still do think that in this moment of him realizing, oh, you've been using me. You've been using me to to kill people that you're taking advantage of, that you're stealing from, or taking out rivals, this or that.
0: Man, doing underhanded
1: police work. Right. And, and to know that, all right, if I can lead myself to, to seeing you as John G and kill you, I can escape the cycle of you manipulating me. Like that is, Mm -hmm. it's like, it's like putting a, firing an arrow of your own willpower into the future where you're like, I know I won't understand it then, but I am giving myself a kind of like some freedom, some agency. Like I will fucking break out of your manipulation, even if I don't understand that's what I'm doing in the future.
0: And and while we're doing, cause this is pretty much the end of the movie, but but yeah. while we're doing it, it's also important to know, let's, let's talk about Teddy for a minute. Teddy, from a motivational standpoint, he, he, he knows the crime. He feels really bad for this guy. This is a horrible case. What a terrible thing that sat with Teddy and, yeah. and he wanted to help the guy. And you know, when he did, maybe he felt a sense of, let's talk about it from his sort of sense of justice, his sense of morality. He totally. believed, he believed in the pureness of the act of, 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 taking out this quote, Jimmy G character. It made sense to Teddy in the moment to sort of sick this guy in him and give him that sense of peace. But the fucker, the, the fucked up part about it is if you're Teddy's, you know, he can, that piece is so short lived. And right. then when he becomes obsessed and he's self-sabotaging and he continues on this path and you start going, well, if I can, I guess in perpetuity, give this guy the sense of peace every however many days or weeks it takes for them to, to, to put a guy out or for this guy to get a sense of justice. Like how many holes have they dug? We don't even know. But, but while also sort of doing what you can to take people out, it's, yeah, you could, you could, there's a lot of ethical argumentation to be had there, but from Teddy's perspective, he's doing the right thing, right? He's, he feels like he's doing the right thing while helping somebody.
1: Exactly. Right. Yeah. What's, you you got to imagine that it would just get exhausting after a certain point of like, right? I, I helped you get the real guy. I know the real John G is dead, and yet you are still trying to go find him. You're like, well, I'll just point you towards something, and it might be things that help me. Like, Correct. W- what else do I do? With and this that's situation? why that that's why I
0: think Joey Pantoliano is so good here because right. he has a he has a great command of the script and what his character's motivation is. And you can see it in every scene. Yeah. You, like the, like almost the playful exhaustion. Like, uh it's, it's like when you're dealing with a kid, like, yeah, no, I don't want to play catch. I just did. I <laughs> just did that. I just that did that, you know, you know, tomorrow we'll do catch, but, but, <laughs> but you can't get mad because you understand he's a kid. Right. It's, it's the <laughs> exactly. same thing with him. He's like, all right, buddy, why are you still here? Fuck. Like, I know why <laughs> you're still here, but I'm also like, why are you still here? <laughs> Can, like, you, can you please? daddy doesn't want to play catch anymore, but I understand why you want to play catch, because you're fucking six, <laughs> right? You don't understand daddy's feelings here. But it's cool, man. I like that's That's one of the most fascinating parts about this. What about Natalie's motivation? What's her story look like chronologically, Matt?
1: Man, I mean, I, at the end of the day, it's, okay, this guy fucking killed. I mean, you got to think. He walks yes. into the bar, and she goes, oh, this is a hitman, and he's a creepy one because he's wearing my boyfriend's clothes and right. driving his car, right. and he's here to try and terrify me. Right. But then when you truly understand that he does have this memory situation and, and he has anterograde amnesia and cannot remember anything, you realize, oh, he's, he's been used by someone somehow. Mm-hmm. Like, he doesn't know what he's fucking doing. And so I think, I, I think there's a lot less malice with her than at, that you, you think at first because yeah, she definitely is pretty stone cold at times and manipulates him. Into she takes her opportunity, her. right? She takes her opportunity, but then at the end, she well, what's does. Her,
0: what's, what's, what's her mindset for have sicking him on Dodd? revenge for her, the death of her, or for man?
1: Well, I think she is genuinely being pursued by Dodd. I think Dodd, yeah, I, I think there's too. an element of her story that's true where she's like, Dodd is after me because he, she, he knows I'm connected to Jimmy Correct. and since Jimmy has disappeared. She's like, well, and like basically what Teddy says, he's like, she'll use you to protect herself. And that's Absolutely. what she does. She's like, Dodd's after me. So I will sick you on him. And after that, well, I don't, I'm not going to keep trying to use you or manipulate Leo. I'll just give right. you the piece of information you need.
0: Yep. I, yep, that's as a, as a perfect, kind of
1: thank you. Perfect summation. Okay. I like it because she's a person
0: in a bad situation. She's with a fucking shitbag bag that she doesn't care tremendously about. She's not really broken up over Jimmy's death, but at the same time, she's now vulnerable because she lives in that fucking world. Yeah. And we exactly. live in that world and the person you are fucking dies and you are not just the person he's fucking, but you are involved in that operation and Dodd comes around, you're going to be like, uh-oh. And now you go, exactly. I can probably use this guy. He killed Jimmy. He's competent. That's the important thing to remember. She's not just picking a former insurance investigator. She's picking what she believes is a competent man at killing. Right, exactly. He's not just a schmo, but he does have this problem, so he needs to be let along, and she figured out how to manipulate him a little bit too for her own gain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good stuff, man.
1: It's so good. Everybody is so complex
0: in this. But uh, I love this. I love the... Uh... You know, you, you, Lenny takes Teddy's Polaroid, writes down, don't believe lies. He burns a picture of them, and then he writes down Teddy's plate number. You can be my John G. Again, self-deception. Yeah. Like, do I lie to myself to be happy? In your case, Teddy, yes, I will. Lenny takes mm. Jimmy's car. Teddy yells at him not to do that. Someone will recognize it. Still looking out for him. Still. I'd rather mm. be mistaken for a dead guy than a killer right? Lenny leaves Teddy behind and drives off in the jag. And In the exit monologue, he says, I have to believe in a world outside of my own mind. I have to believe my actions have meaning, even if I can't remember them. I have to believe that when my eyes are closed, that my world is still there. More philosophical stuff. Flashes of he and his wife. He has the tattoos. Huge giveaway, <laughs> unless it's unreliable memory, which we haven't really seen thus far. We all need mirrors to remind ourselves of who we are. I'm no different. He stops at the tattoo parlor.
1: There we are. Now, where was I? Oh, it's fucking a fucking great movie. It's a fucking great movie, man. It's whew, so fucking excellent. Really, really good. Listener your comments. Yeah. I got one from Mr. Oh, Mr. What am I saying? Sir Craig Dealey. He said, I love this film. For me, it was one of those like Donnie Darko. I got to the end with a, huh? And just wanted to watch it again straight away. I knew what I had seen was great, but I also knew I had missed so much of what I should have picked up. The scene where Leonard and Natalie are arguing and she says, you know what? I think I'm going to use you. I'm telling you now because I'll enjoy it so much more if I know that you could stop me if you weren't such a fucking freak. He is desperately trying to write things down so he can remember but cannot find any paper. God, that is Mm heart-wrenching. Excellent performances all around, especially Guy Pearce. And what a step up from him playing Mike in Neighbors. Ask your parents.
0: (laughs) Yep. Good stuff. Uh, Matt Lewis asks what I really like uh, while well, I really like this movie, there is a piece that doesn't make sense. If he has not been able to retain memories after his injury, then how does he seem to remember how the police handled the investigation? I have my thoughts but want to hear your explanations and John Margitson answers it since i 'm no longer on the podcast, I want it for you here 's the thing about being a vigilante don 't also turn out to be a mysterious killer you 're out to get. And he says, on a serious note, the movie presents an objective perspective and a subjective perspective, fact versus memory, but ultimately both can be distorted via self-sabotage, 100% self-sabotage. Oh, yeah. And um, and uh, I think it's, we talked about this at the beginning of the pod, and I don't know if it's going to make the cut, because I know we were kind of just bullshitting before we actually started the show, but John was set to be on this episode, he was going to be on this episode on Saturday we had a, a little bit of family emergency, a pretty bad car accident involving a rollover. Everybody's fine. It's cool. However, it happened right before the show. Had to put the show off. Um, that person's okay. However, because I had to put the show off, it puts us in kind of a lurch because it's a bounty. It was already a, it was already being recorded on Saturday instead of Thursday. Now it's being recorded on Monday. That it is supposed to come out instead of on Thursday. I couldn't push it out to another day that John could have reasonably made without making the person who purchased the movie. Uh, Mr. Gunboat Jackson, not wait an extra week for his movie, which I just wasn't willing to do. So, John did his homework. He he's he would have been great on this. Where we, me and Matt oh, yeah. both missed him on this. It really sucks to turn him away because um, <laughs> of because of what happened. But such is life, and I can assure you, we will recruit John again in the future. So, oh yeah, there was no uh, hard feelings about John not being on here. We didn't. It wasn't. There was no no nothing purposeful. It just became a question of my my personal desire and Matt's personal desire to have John on the episode versus our commitment to Mr. Jackson to get his movie out in a reasonable time frame. Um, and since we're selling bounties, we want to try to stick to that schedule as closely as possible since people are paying hard-earned money for these to get covered, and that's just the way it went down. So please understand that uh, we, didn't, we didn't cut John out of this because we didn't want to hear John on the pod. We 100% had every intention to. And that's what happened. Um, like I said, we may have already explained at the beginning of this. I don't know, depending on the little it up front there. But um, if not, now you
1: know. And actually, you know, it's really especially sad because he did send us an audio clip, you know, of some of his thoughts to you know at least include in the podcast. But even his audio is so fucking slippery. Just whoop right out of the track. Just gone. crazy slippery like, shit. Shot dude. right out of the computer. Yep, slippery boy.
0: Slippery as hell. What else do we want to say about this great movie?
1: Um, like I said at the top, man, I absolutely unequivocally fucking love this movie. I I think it's it's so fantastic. Good. Um, and I, you know what? It reminds me of one listener comment. I I think, oh, where was it? I think oh, I just lost track of it. Of course, as I'm getting ready to read it. Uh, but there was a listener who had a comment about the movie being a little underwhelmed by the movie. Um, and I thought he, I, I kind of wanted to address like his comment. Oh, here it is. Peter Auden. I will get slaughtered for saying this, but I thought Memento was Nolan's only good film. I did like Dark Knight and Interstellar, but not amazed by either. The rest of his work did nothing for me. I love surreal and nonlinear narratives, but Inception irritated me and I pretty much hated it. That is actually not the comment I was intending to read. Uh, but what, what I'll say is this, this movie is deceptively complicated <laughs> that that's kind of like you know we we often talk about movies that are deceptively simple and have all these layers that start to unfold as it goes or if you look at a little bit deeper into it on repeated viewings and honestly this is a movie that gets simpler for me with every absolutely with every rewatch like i understand it more i understand it more clearly um and the, the comment that i was trying to find which i cannot find it on here uh was someone was saying essentially that the movie at the end of the day once you really understand it felt kind of empty. Like the story the story seemed like it was going to be so much more because it's so mysterious and so the structure is so unique and strange. And at the end of the day it kind of boils down to, oh, he's murdering people because he's being manipulated by a cop who knows his condition and and that's kind of it. But I I my argument against that would be, yeah, exactly. Like that's the reality that Leonard's unwilling to face and, and unable to face, physically unable to face, that the his identity as a person Is not what he thinks it is, and it is very much informed by his circumstances and the people around him. And and you know, I think it's it's a scary thought, but it is something that is true of how much of our sense of ourselves and our identity and just who we are how we are and what we stand for are very much so informed by our past and our memories of it. And also the fact that we can misremember the past. I still have, there have been so many times where I remember talking to maybe my grandparents about something I did with some friends and when they came over and we swam at the lake together and they're going, oh wait, no, 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 you weren't here with so-and-so, you were here with this other person. And I go, wait, really? And they remember it better than me. And I had lived with years with that memory in my mind of being like, no, I thought I was there with my friend Justin. And they go, no, you were there with Jason. And I, oh, you're right. And I had lived on that. I had lived thinking I'd shared that experience with that person and they weren't even there so when you really start to think about like the the malleability of memory and how that shapes the way we view ourselves in the world and and how it's we are we are not as vulnerable as Leonard is obviously but we, I think we are all more vulnerable than we like to to think about sometimes how much that that informs just who we are uh it's a fascinating movie it, it, the the plot is simple but the themes run deep uh I love it and it's just fuck man it's such I mean it, because this movie ha- exists and has existed for almost close to twenty years now, we take it for granted. But it is a fucking feat of of filmmaking and editing and and just narrative structure. Like, how mm-hmm. often is narrative structure almost as interesting as the narrative itself? Like, the structure of this movie is fucking incredible, it, and it re- adds
0: it, to the story. A- absolutely, and that's what I that's what I would say. Wh- one thing I don't like is when a, when a when a filmmaker is just trying to to win. Do you know what I mean by that? Mm. I don't like I when so. a filmmaker's like, I'm just going to try to win here, which means you're not going to really know. I'm going to have to show you because I'm so much cooler and smarter than you.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah I'll, do, I'll do you get what I'm saying? Piece. Yes. Yeah. I hate
0: that shit. I, it doesn't make for good storytelling. It doesn't make for bad storytelling either. It's hard to say what motivation could possibly be. I, I just want it to be good and well-executed and enjoyable to watch. I like when guys take chances. That's one of the things I love about Chris Nolan is his willingness to take chances. And one of the great things about Memento, and, and, and that always sticks with me, is that the narrative structure of the movie, and we, we hinted at this in the beginning, and the, quote, plot of the movie is, ex- is, is inexorably tied to the character and the character, we, we, we learn about the plight of our character through the narrative structure, which is really hard to do sometimes. Because a lot of times it's much more ABCs of screenwriting, right? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I use that as an example all the time, and I might as well keep doing it. Rocky Balboa. It's a great yeah. and simple screenplay, right? It might be an award-winning screenplay. I don't know. but
1: I'm pretty sure it is, yeah.
0: But here, here's a narrative structure that's, here's a guy, we know what his problem is, we we set him up as to who he is. We learn about him, and then we present him with a set of conflicts that he has to overcome. And then we have a resolution to those conflicts, and we see the physical conflicts played out, which are really irrelevant. It could be boxing, it could have been football, it could have been anything. It's just a representation of the physical struggle he has to endure to show us his fortitude, which tells us a little bit about his character. But you wouldn't say the structure of the three act one, you know, neat narrative structure of that screenplay does much to tell us about Rocky Balboa. Right. It just is what it is. Whereas with Memento, because of the way he has to tell you the story, it tells you everything you need to know about the character in a way that makes us really relate to the character. Right. Because if you shoot this sequentially, it's going to, we're going to know everything that's happening because we're like, Oh, he doesn't remember three scenes ago. (laughs) We don't remember three scenes ago. That's what's so awesome about doing this backwards. It's not gimmicky. It's integral to the movie. Without absolutely. it, the movie doesn't work. Yeah, and that's Without why it, it's not a gimmick. Pretty boring. <laughs> Abs- yeah, it, absolutely. But that's not to say, oh well, your movie sucks. You had to shoot it backwards. No, dude, the, because yeah. the movie's about the guy, and the guy has mm-hmm. to. We we have to put you in the guy's frame of mind to get the movie. It, otherwise, it's different. What What's awesome is is he took a simple concept. And he made it interesting. And he made you feel it by shooting it the way he did. That's not to say that it's bad. That's not it at all. No. It works because of this, because of his mental condition. That's why the narrative, the way they, they shoot it in reverse makes sense and must be done.
1: And it's one of those things you take for granted watching the movie too. How many scenes were there where we see Teddy talking to somebody else and it's a scene of just Teddy? Or we see Natalie sure. and Teddy interacting. There's none. This is... 100% Leonard's story and it's very subjective and it needs to be. Yes. We we are only seeing these other characters through the lens of Leonard.
0: And it is and it's in, in the beautiful irony that's in the screenplay is just is just great because it's the whole purpose of this guy's life is the idea of relying on facts and objectivity which is precisely what he isn't doing. Exactly. He yeah. only thinks he is, but the truly greatest. there's self-sabotage at work.
1: Totally, it's like the greatest, most tragic irony. Of Absolutely, just, I. This is how I am driven. All facts and 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 you know, straightforward, but understandable reality. And no, you you are you have been existing off of a completely like inflated lie. Indeed. Ah, so
0: good. Awesome movie. Awesome time. Thanks again to James Jackson. Sorry that we couldn't get Butters on this. We promise to get him in the future. And um, and I think. I think we're going to get out of here. Uh, next week we'll be doing our member vote. Remember, liberstreetgeek.net/slash/join if you're interested in as to how the whole voting process works. Um, we got a membership, as you says, you no doubt are aware at this point, with lots of bonus content available at your fingertips. liberstreetgeek.net/slash/join. Next week we'll be talking about the vote winner, which was June bugs. and we're going to be talking about Mummy Dude Brendan Fraser. We're going from Nolan to this shit. (laughs) I can't wait. I can't wait. You know what I call that? This is what Gunbow can relate to if he heard us making fun of us at the beginning of this. This is an an easy day. We're doing an easy day at the gym with the mummy. This was a tough one. This This is James thinking we like to go to the gym five times a day. I know. Yeah, no, you
1: saw us <laughs> on one of the good days. we <laughs> were about to have a fucking candy off day real uh, quick.
0: I can't wait for fucking, it's pizza day next week, Matt. Pizza day. Cheat day. Cheat day. <laughs> Today was fucking leg day. So. Exactly. <laughs> fucking quads are burning. <laughs> My hammies are packing. All right, we're going to go out of here. You guys have a wonderful evening. We will catch you on the flip side.